This week, we welcome Matthew Silva. Matthew's an undergraduate student attending Roger Williams University in the cybersecurity and networking program. He is also the president of the cybersecurity and intel club at Roger Williams University. Our technical segment this evening will be all about configuring a small router that you can travel with and provide you with some VPN connectivity. In the security news this week, um, Someone hates passwords. Uh, oh, Nest hates password reuse. Sorry, I couldn't see the top of the teleprompter. Turkey is hacking its own people. Universal plug and play needs to die. Trump eliminates a cybersecurity position. Wapiti, a web application scanner, and prioritizing vulnerability fixes. All that and more on this episode of Paul's Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where exploits run wild, packets aren't the only things getting sniffed, and the cocktails flow steady, it's Paul's Security Weekly. Welcome, does Larry have an introduction? Hi everyone, this is Paul. Asadorid, I guess I'm, I'm introducing... Uh, apparently I no longer do. Okay. <laughs> wow, and I look short. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I accidentally uh, landed in New England and uh, stumbled my way to the G-Unit studio. That's pretty much how I envisioned it happening. Yeah. Job. <laughs> Carlos, save the show, please. <laughs> yes, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Cannot be saved. Uh, well, it's good to have you back, Carlos. Jeff, welcome. Nice to have you in studio. It's great to be here, Paul. Try to stay awake for the whole episode. <laughs> yes. We've been in studio dropping his phone incessantly while we're chatting. What? We're. Oh, hey. I'm, I'm in the studio with you guys. That's kind of cool. Um, NetSparker, the developers of desktop and cloud-based web application security scanners that enable you to automatically identify vulnerabilities in your web applications and web services. NetSparker scanners employ a unique and dead-accurate vulnerability scanning engine that automatically verifies vulnerabilities with their proof of concept. For more information, visit them on the web at netsparker.com or email at contact at netsparker.com. In 2017, an increasing number of companies reported they did not have effective insider threat detection methods. Logarithm's UEBA solutions enable you to detect and neutralize user-based threats in real time, while built-in scenario and behavior-based analytics empower you to expose insider threats, compromised accounts, and privilege misuse. Visit Logarithm.com to learn how their UEBA solutions can help you expand visibility and enhance just detection capabilities. I just liked my own comment. Hi. Oh, hey, hey. My, that means oh. my mic is live, too. Wow. <laughs> so, so now, I'd like to introduce you to the show and our hosts, a man who's going to do the rest of the show in his best Mike Tyson accent, Paul Asadorian. <laughs> I can't, there is no way. That was, you know, you're kind of giving me a warning. Welcome, everyone, to Paul's Security Weekly. Well, you already started it this way. <laughs> this is take number two. Episode... <laughs> It was a good outtake. It was a good outtake. I don't know if we got. Do we? If we have it recorded, we should save that for uh, an outtake reel because that that would be epic. It's so Uh, simple. This is this is episode five (laughs) hundred and sixty, Larry. And today is Thursday, May seventeenth, two thousand and eighteen. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian. (laughs) I am uh, giddy to be here. Is an accurate representation. (laughs) Yeah, that that might be it. Giddy is a schoolgirl. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think I really turned Doug on, which I'm I'm really creeped out right now. I feel like I need a shower. Next to me is none other than Larry Pesce. Larry, welcome. Yay. Got our old fashions in hand. 
Matthew's here in studio. Hey, how's it going? And you, this is like your first introduction to the uh, like being in studio and yeah. talking with all. Of, I hope we don't scare you away from working in this uh, field. It's, it's, it's kind of too late for that. Okay, I mean, good. Yeah, yeah, he's already been scared away. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know Doug, so if you're not scared away by now, I, you're, you're good, dude. So Doug White yeah. is here in studio. <laughs> he's just generally repulsed at that point. Yeah, it's too late for all that. On the lines via Skype, Mr. Jeff Mann is here with us. Jeff, welcome. I think for once I'm kind of glad I'm not in the studio. But, uh, we'll, Something we'll in the air tonight. Goes. And Jason Paladin from Wood Security is here with us. I mean, Jason Wood from Paladin Security is here with us. We really think you should call hey, it Wood, Wood Security, dude. I mean, that's like what is all. Think of the slogans you could have for your company. Get if more it was wood. Called Wood Security. <laughs> I can let you just think think yeah. Yeah. Your, your marketing could be just get more wood. Yeah, got wood. Got I mean, wood. and and we come to you from the massage parlor every week. Think I know. Think about what the <laughs> think uh, about what the t-shirts would look like. Oh my god! Wow. Um, got wood. Couple of <laughs> announcements. Uh, I want to talk about. Uh, let's see what's up in my my teleprompter. Actually which is all messed up right now. But um, I want to talk to you about IT Pro TV. Go to itpro.tv forward slash security weekly. Use the discount code secweekly30. Try it free for seven days. Alrighty. And if there's nothing else, we're going we're gonna to interview Matt Silva. You looks really kind of freaked out when I say it like that. Like, what do you mean you're going to interview? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm no one. <laughs> But that, that's what, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're someone. You're someone, yeah, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Have confidence in yourself. You're here on that. the show. Thank don't you. be don't be nervous. You'll is this like fine. a reclining chair? Can I'm I kind of like lay down? Uh, like... No, it is definitely not that type of session. <laughs> we had to get rid of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got you too, started too many complaints. They got way too sticky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're fabric we couldn't clean easily. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So, Matt, yeah. uh, typically we ask our guests how they get started in information security, but uh, I imagine your story might be a little different as you has just, uh, just graduated. Sorry, I can't talk tonight. He Not hasn't quite. started yet. So what? what that's right. <laughs> so, well, that's what so, I was so getting I, at. I think the, the question becomes, what made you want to get into information security? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, when I was a senior in, in high school, right, so um, I just come out of uh, like a vocational trade school. And I, I was in like the, the, the graphic design, you know, video editing kind of thing. Like I always knew I liked computers, you know. Computers are cool. They, they do lots of neat stuff. But after going through that for like about three years, um, I realized I wasn't like much of like an artist type. I really wanted to get to like the more like nitty gritty of computers. So when I was looking at colleges. I was looking around like computer science, computer science, computer science. And like nothing really stood out. I was like, all right, so what makes this place any different from any other college? And when I went to tour Roger Williams, I was I was in the, the little they put this little like room before your tour starts. Like, like it's not, is Doug is Doug in the room? Uh, Doug not is not in the room. Okay, no, they don't let me. They don't, I, no, I, it's yeah. a five hundred feet thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you got you to be enrolled in school for at least three months before you meet Doug. It, because yeah. otherwise, it's, it's all it's all over. Yeah, it could be. A they problem. have to cash the first check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we make sure that Doug. baby clears, yeah. and it's like now let me give you the assignment. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. So I was sitting in this little common room, and I was looking through the pamphlet and one of the things for uh, school justice studies was uh, cybersecurity networking and I was like oh wow you know, that's, not, that's a computer thing I haven't really heard of and you know it sounds super sexy on the pamphlet like you know network defense you know network intrusion IDS IPS all this you know they throw all the terminology and I'm like oh wow that sounds really cool 
and that's literally what I based my decision of college off of. It was the only school out of like nine that I had toured <laughs> that offered something of this kind of uh, technical. Had focus. you always felt like loved computers and yeah, computers I've, I've, and I was I was you know as soon as computers like desktop computers were available when I was a child, like I was learning how to play like you know the little dumb little flash games back then, you know. So I was able on to, your iPad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I see. Yeah, I'm not one of like, the six year olds with the iPads in the restaurants who are playing like. Angry Bird or anything? No, that, dude, that's believe nah, me. That's yeah, no, the only way I can eat dinner. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some days when my wife goes to the store and one of the the little one is home, it's the only way I can get any work done. Right. Hey, honey, go use uh, go use your iPad. She's like, Daddy, I'm going to go use my watching app, which apparently I find out is YouTube. Like, <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, we put limits on that. Starts to sound like Cloud Atlas or something. I'm going to go to the Watchy Watchy app. <laughs> so, Matt, did you do the Cyber Patriot cloud program Atlas in high school? Or did you go to high school in, in Rhode Island? Or? No, I, so I'm actually from, like, central Massachusetts, <clears throat> around, okay. around the Worcester area. But, Worcester. Um, yeah, so I literally I had no, like, cybersecurity focus, con- you know, no sort of knowledge walking into college. Everything I've, so I've nothing in high school that gave you any kind of computer classes? No, or? I, I took... I, w- I was introduced to the computer programming and web dev portion. Mm-hmm. I took one uh, like virtual high high school course on like uh, Java programming and engineering stuff like yep. that. But you know, th- there's no teacher for that. It's like an online class. Sure. So I was you know of course very confused because I'd never looked at code before. It's kind of like taking a class with Doug. Yeah, we exactly. get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like hell on earth. Yeah. N- n- nobody's there. Just assignments kind of show right. up. Exactly. That's how I envision taking classes with Doug. Very hard to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I, I wound up touring the, the school, and it was the only one that offered cybersecurity and networking. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. I looked up, you know, like salary trends because, you know, that's kind of well, important. Yeah, and that's, I was like, well, that's smart. You should. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. Whoa, this is a this Yeah, is a I was thing. like, you know, I was like mm, you know, no one's really hopping on this. And I was like, yeah, here I am. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So what was your most favorite uh, course or set of courses that you took? So um, Other than, of course, Doug's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, automatically. I'm not here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have the grades been submitted yet? Yeah, that yes. has right. not yes. died. Yeah, <laughs> finals are over. It's, Keep it's that too, in mind. It's, yeah, it's too late. Yeah, change of grade forms can still be conducted. I've got yeah. some right here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it, it, that's kind of a weird question because, like, some of my favorite classes have also been like my toughest ones. Mm-hmm. There's also classes that have been like really fun and enjoyable, but without that kind of intensity, like I feel like it was a little bit more shallow in terms of learning. My uh, my favorite classes have either had to be the digital forensics course, uh, one and two, and then I'd probably have to say we took a uh, a Linux class, like a, it's based off of like the Linux plus CompTIA mm-hmm. uh, certification booklet, and then there was um, this was really challenging, but it, it it was it was Doug's networking class, and it was it was probably in the top three of the most difficult classes I've taken. <laughs> Oh, um, damn it. Yeah. yeah. You got something right here. Yeah. It's brown. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, <laughs> but that, well, but no, that I, has to be pretty good. Well, no, I say yeah. that because um, it's one of those classes where you can't really kind of um, skim your way through. No, like either, like you have to understand yeah, those fundamentals you, of TCP IP before you can learn yeah, about I mean, networking and all that other stuff. Net, networking is like the back in the old <clears> in computer <throat> science, computer science one and two are like the flunk out classes. I mean, yeah. that was just like where everybody went by the wayside because they are really hard because yep. it's like. Uh, so please tell me that like day one in your networking class, you put subnetting up, right uh, off the bat. TCP header, or even if you put up a TCP header yeah. on the screen and just start talking about all the fields and what they do, and then just watch as people like leave. But you have to understand that, right? If, if you wanted to any, weed it out, that right. would be the well. That you could weed like, out, but you have to know that stuff to do. No, you do. I mean, how, you can't do networking unless you understand a lot of like variable link subnetting and stuff like that. If you don't understand it at that level, 
you really can't do to me cybersecurity. It's not that the idea of, of variable link subnetting is so important as no. much as it's just that do you understand it at that level where right. you, you can actually di dissect this stuff at the level of variable link subnet masking, which is why I think people still teach that so much in, in Cisco and, and mm -hmm. everywhere because that sort of you get it when you can when you can dissect something and understand what a slash nineteen subnet mask mm -hmm. is, and you can explain that to somebody. You you got it when you can look mm -hmm. at the header and you can tell me what you know what is this sequence number field. Then you you're starting to get right. it. Right. And if you want to do, I I tell people this all the time. Cybersecurity is on top of all that. You know, it's like yes. people say. I had somebody not too long ago. A student came in and they were like, "I want to change my major from computer science because I need to do something easier." <laughs> And I was like, so you're going to change from, like, general practitioner to advanced neurosurgery. Mm. Uh, no, this isn't easier than that. This is like you have to know all that and then more. And they were like, oh, what's, what's easier? And I suggested so Latin. What, what books, Matt, outside of the ones you got from the curriculum, uh, helped you the most? Did you, like, read outside and, and like, general so, books? So the, there, there are a lot of, like, online resources, obviously. <clears throat> I was going to say books. Mm. So, um, <laughs> one of, the well, because I was thinking of TCPIP Illustrated Volume 1. Have yeah. you read that, Matt? Have you, uh, you I've, I've not read the book personally, no. Oh, See, I need on. to keep a stack of these. So you can't have my copy. If, 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 you, if you handed me one, I'd read it. Hold on, hold on. That's my copy. Hands off, okay? There are two copies. Copies over there, aren't there? <laughs> there might be. No, there's volume one and volume two, perhaps. No, there's two volume ones over there. There's is a there? There's second edition and a seventh edition, maybe. Oh, there's a one of them is mine. So I brought in one of my old ones. Mine's too. Too. I have a second edition of TCP. That's probably your. So there's another one, one. over on the island. Island. I was gonna claim one of them. I think I brought one up. Oh, uh, I maybe it was Jeff somewhere. too. Damn it! You should definitely read that one. Yeah. You can't have our copies, yeah. but you can go get your own copy. Yeah. I need to have some copies like handy to like to give to people. I feel like. Students in the Cyber Patriot program, students studying it in college, mm. that's a, a big resource. That's how I, that's how I learned. I didn't yeah. study that particular subject. You can hand them out like the Gideons hand out New Testaments. Which you go <laughs> every hotel room is going to have TCPIP volume one. The TCPIP volume one. Yeah. <laughs> then people won't ask me questions like, what's an IP address? Yeah. You'll know. You'll just know. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely enjoy it. Um, the, the, the biggest issue, because like, when, when I started running the club, which like literally got its feet off the ground like this past fall semester um some of the things we're trying to come up to with like so like the goal for the club was that all right so we're a bunch of college students we take all these classes we get the idea what's going on we learned all like the the buzzwords you know we learned the sure. definitions what does what they give us the diagrams but like until you actually work with it it really just becomes all conceptual mm -hmm. so yep. um i always thought like well you know how cool would it be if we just practice on each other or how could it cool would it be if we could you know good thing you're not in medical school <laughs> well yeah that's that's a, that doesn't work a, anywhere else that's yeah. a story of college if i ever heard one yeah. who's got who's got the scalpels <laughs> i injected the serum into myself experience. yeah Describes so, my so rap, but rap, what you're saying, Matt, is rather than like reading books, did you didn't did you start the club or you just yeah yeah so it's it's entirely the topic of uh, yeah. into the reading. Um, so like one of the things like, like I realized is that it's tough for us to like first of all allocating a budget that's like you know we guys can figure out what we want to spend our money on. So if we we can't buy textbooks for everyone in the club because it's like twenty plus people and then mm -hmm. that's that's a lot of money. We could be you know same people to you know conventions stuff stuff like right. that you know B sides. 
Um, we, I give, I gave them like the the link to the online resource library, which is like the cybersecurity yeah, sure. one, mm-hmm. and which which is great because it's free. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lessons are based off of you know the like I, I did like a Linux course over the summer just for fun, just because I wasn't feeling too sharp on Linux before I took my my Linux class in the fall, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much like from, from what I did, it was identical to the textbook that I received for for the, for the course. Right. So um, it, it it seems like you know as long as you're not trying to do anything too too specialized, it's a free resource that students could use to learn more skills, mm-hmm. learn more about it without having to go out and spend that money. And if they can do it from a laptop. They don't have to, you know, of course, everything's super convenient. But that way they won't have to, like, physically purchase a book right, or, like, right. go out or, you know, find an author. That way it's all in, like, that video stream format and they so can did have you, it up. did you start the club at the school or did yeah. it exist before? No, it didn't exist beforehand. Um, we had been looking because it was an idea that when I was taking his, like, second semester of, of the networking class. He's pointing at Doug, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, when I was taking the, the second semester, I think we were, we were doing, like, a, like, a study meeting for one of, like, the final wrap-up exams of, of the course. And uh, I think I posed a question of like, you know, is there a way that we could practice some of these things like on each other? And like he replies, oh yeah, that'd be like that'd be, that'd be a great idea for a club. Like, why don't you go ask about it? And I did. So then I, f- I had to get all the forms together, get to get the officers, and we had to make a constitution, all the formalities and what, what stuff like that. But it was really cool because you know we started off with the idea of like, oh, so let's just do practical exercises. But it's like, well, that doesn't sound too fun as a club. Like, who wants to come and really do extra homework? Yeah, extra homework. So yeah, so so we had to figure out what else we could do so that people would still be like interested in joining the club. Other activities that we could do that would say you know be more appealing. So what we came up with was was just uh, a way to. You know, get a club together, have the school pay for our trips to conventions and market them as like educational or uh, career, sure. career, uh, you know. Yeah, right. The little finger. Uh-huh, I was like educational. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, educational trip to Las Vegas to see DefCon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, you know, like networking purposes, meet industry professionals, mm-hmm. you know, attend seminars, stuff like that. And um, go to the Rhode Island uh, yeah. Computer History Museum. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, now that you say that, when I visited various B sides, uh, I did see computer clubs, mm-hmm. and and that's because that's a, a great like mission to have as a club. Is get enough money so we can buy tickets for everyone to go exactly. to security B sides. Yeah, something because like. I think it'd be really great for, especially if if you're in the cybersecurity like uh, uh, major, like at Roger Williams, like where I am. I tried. I'm trying to get it to be set up for years to come, where at least. By the time you're a senior, you go to, to get to go to at least one convention, right? Um, because I think if you've gone to be a senior and you, let's say you go your senior year, especially when you're you're about to graduate, you're looking for a job, you can even just ask people like, "Hey, so what do you things you look for on a resume? Are there any certifications that I should have? Like, what do you like to see someone coming in entry level?" Mm-hmm. And then they can take that. We can come back to the club and go, "Okay, so they want X, Y, Z. Can we do? Can we buy any gear or can we get any you know do any activities based around the feedback that we got?" And kind of get people more geared towards it outside of what the curriculum itself is doing, because the, the, the curriculum does plenty. There's, it's, it's it's so broad, and you know, if, if so someone, how does to, the club generate revenue? So, um, when you at the beginning, at <laughs> yeah, at they the, sell cookies. Yeah, cookies, <laughs> bake sales, bake yeah. sales, T-shirts. No, no, authentication cookies to Google, and <laughs> <laughs> we steal Doug's cookies and get his credit card and buy stuff for the yeah. club. <laughs> 
Um, yes. Yeah, so as, as a primary means of, of uh, fundraising. So basically, if you want to spend a lot of money, you have fundraisers. You just do a thing. You raise the money. The money goes to your club. Like a car wash? Yeah. yeah this- whatever, whatever you want. Like they, they, they literally say just you have to fundraise and you have to come up with it. Gotcha. But the school uh, doesn't give you money, I guess, was my... So can you ask the school for money? If yeah, so at the at the end of the spring semester, when you know over the summer they have time to process it. I, so you submit like a budget request form. Mm-hmm. Um, so you submit like what what you want to do for the club, what you intend to purchase. You gotta have like all the receipts, and you gotta have screenshots and stuff like that. And then they review it in like the it's 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 managed by the like um, by the big authority, like the student senate. Mm-hmm. So like, the, the people who who are in charge of allocating the funds. Um, so they look over it and then they look at the, the receipts, make sure it's all legit, and then they check the price and everything, and then they get back to you. So it sounds like, Matt, if there are other folks listening who have students in college or if you're in college and you're listening to the show, that it's you've kind of laid out a roadmap. Like you're in a cybersecurity program. You want some additional resources. There's other people that, that want to learn as well. That It really just sounds like a lot of paperwork uh, yeah, to fill yeah. out, right? Yeah, it, w- it was definitely a pain in the butt the first couple of weeks. Like, what was the most challenging thing about, like, creating that whole process? Just figuring out, like, what we, like, wanted it to be. Because mm-hmm. it started off as such, like, as an abstract concept. Uh, we didn't really know, like, we, like... I'd never started a club before. I'd been in clubs that were already predefined with their own constitutions and mm-hmm. rules. But then I got the opportunity to like, kind of like, I started this club and I was like, all right, so like, what do we want to do? Because the people, this will do be- Do they he- give you like a template or a form to, to fill out or? They, they, they just the requirements, you know, the prince, the, the president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, yep. constitution, you know, you have to like say, you know, you have to include people of all race, religion, ethnicity, blah, blah, blah. You have to be an inclusive club. So there's a bunch of formalities. You fill yeah, all yeah, that you, out. You fill it out and then- Then there's more formalities to get money from the- Yeah, exactly. You know, from the, the school. So that, that's what we kind of have trouble with this year because this is our first year doing it mm-hmm. and we, we had a lot of ideas for activities um but because we had just started like we were like a trial club in the past fall right uh we didn't have the opportunity to submit like a budget request form as people traditionally it do sounds like you create a fraternity or something yeah right? i feel like it's yeah, a similar oh, yeah. kind of process <laughs> what kind of greek letters can i use for cyber security right. yeah it'd be um, an all hex it'd be yeah fun. it's pure hex code that's what we can do no but um that's a good idea yeah, yeah we could I actually frats are banned at Roger Williams because. Uh, well, you wouldn't be a frat. You would well, be, yeah. You're, no, you're, you're a, a club. 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 Yeah. That's true. Yeah, we club and organization. Are, are the club. professional fraternity still banned? No, pro- no, 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 not no. professional. Okay. And, and just... now we know why they're going through so much scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, because I can see a bunch of students trying to game the process, social engineer yeah. the process, especially to if be I'm like, involved. "Hey, <laughs> we can create a club and we can get the school to pay for our beer. It's gonna be." Awesome. Right? Yes, yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nothing quite like that because like you have to list the. I mean, you could fundraise and use the fundraiser money for like. So at, what kind of fun, what kind of fundraisers did you do? Like, give some people ideas if you're going to create a club at your university because I think this is fascinating and a great message yeah. to send to our audience. Like, what kind of fundraisers did you do? You could just um, one one that I had is you could like I, I went to a uh, like a convention. Like like a like a hack con, mm-hmm. and you get a bunch of free T shirts and stuff. And I'm, you know, if you talk, contact the companies, you know, you could probably buy shirts in bulk, and then you could sell them off at the school for like mm-hmm. a raised price or like to, to your club members, or you you can even charge dues. Say you have like 20, 20 students, say everyone pays fifty dollars beginning of the school year just once, and then mm-hmm. you get, you know fifty times twenty, it's like a thousand dollars. You can get some pretty cool gear. Nice, uh, that's good math, right? Yeah, the other ones, so. uh, <laughs> yeah. the other ones math are like uh, tutoring. Yeah. So uh, people doing tutoring for students that need help, yep. uh, especially like computer science students and cybersecurity students and other yeah, tech Yeah, they stuff. are few and far between. And, but yeah. what a great thing to have on your resume mm-hmm. as well to say that I, I started the club. And yeah. 
Well, yeah, I'm, you, I'm envisioning having similar <clears throat> conversations with you know your potential employers. Right. Well, and you know, how'd you start the club? Like that. <clears throat> that's really cool. Dude. Well, yeah, because um, it, it really started like like I said, just like wanting to do something like practical with it. Because again, like college classes are really great. Like they give you great base knowledge, but um, you have to apply the knowledge in order to get the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, Matt, hold on a question. Could you take in funds from like a, a sponsor? Could you get a donation from someone? And yeah, I, I believe so. Um, I believe we like, could, I'm we, sure a lot of us that either work for companies or have mm-hmm. their own companies yeah. would be more than willing to, you know, write a check for some money to fund yeah. uh, a club at their local college. Or right, university. Absolutely. Right now we're looking, um, I have my treasurer looking into partnering with like, like a lock picking group. Cause yeah. like, you know, they're in the same vein, you know, physical pen testing. That's a, that's a fun know. thing to, yeah. Our sales guy, Joe actually, uh, was picking locks at, yeah. at source. It was the first time he yeah. ever picked locks. Our, so. um, it's like a requirement to work here. <laughs> because you got to try your hand to pick locks. Yeah. Our current treasurer, um, he before he got started like in in computers and you know fun with, with pen testing and stuff. In middle school, he got interested in like in, like like lock picking kits, mm-hmm. and that's how he kind of got started. In the same kind of vein of that, he branched out to computers, and then coming into his, his freshman year, he's really familiar with like Linux and distributions. And come to this point, he's like this like super savvy like you know antivirus you know pen tester, and he's in all these cool internships. So. He's really into into the, like the lock picking aspect, so I'm mm-hmm. having him reach out and seeing you know if they'd want to like come in and do a talk, or if they'd want to get in to be a sponsor. Sure. Or Did you bring people in to give talks to the the group? Not not yet. Um, well, this was was this uh, how many years? Did, uh, when did you create the group? Like how? This past fall, so fall of 2017. Okay, so you're in your yeah. senior year, you created it. Yeah. Oh, the beginning of your senior year. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, yeah, so the way it so it's pretty, pl- yeah, it's pretty new. I can imagine yeah. being more formalized where you'd ask people like Larry or Doug. Well, yeah. Doug's already, you already well, listened to Doug yeah. talk. If he does talk <laughs> inside of a classroom, is nah. it, I just stand there. Not even, I not even in the classroom. Sometimes you're just like, we're going to meet online. <laughs> and then we just do like a little, n- n- no face, just disembodied and, voice. And that's all he says, and he gives you all their information, and you yeah. have to find out where the meeting is. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the assignment. Yeah. We're going to meet online. That's it. Yeah. That's all you get. It's on the dark web somewhere. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Go find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But um, yeah. So it it, it, it was super new. Um, so the first the first half of the year again, like it, it it was just getting its feet off the ground. Um, so we were trying to figure out like who we could have come and talk, how we would do it. We had to reserve rooms. Would, sure. We had to provide food for that. Like, would it be like an event? Would we open it up to the public? Would but it's a valuable skill yeah. though, to be involved with that because. Uh, as you know, all of us can attest to, right? Uh, our, our host on via Skype, that a percentage of the job, sure, is that technical stuff you learn in school, and sure, is that hands-on stuff that you're going to learn. But a good portion of the job is all those skills you learn building that club. It's you know asking for permission to get funding. It's uh, organizing. It's I need to find meeting space and coordinate schedules. And, right. You know, Larry, you do none of that when you do a pen test, right? Oh. Pen test is all about, hey, I get to write exploits all day and see if they work on client systems. No, right? That's not your whole job, is it? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I was Thanks, wondering where Larry, you're going go ahead, with Jeff. this, Paul. Yes. Lear- learning to ask for permission? I mean, what? Yes, that's important. Well, not just if you're going to be a pen tester and asking for permission. That's one thing. Yeah. But coming up with the justification to receive funds to execute a project is something you're going yep. to need in a lot of careers. Let's be so much to, re- to, yeah, right? to restate it, it's 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 an excellent skill to learn how to work the system. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. But yeah, so like you know, we had a bunch of ideas. We could have done like Skype calls and stuff, but then um. 
once school year got started, everyone's you know we have like twenty something members, mm-hmm. and you know some some place that's sports, pretty good for your first some, some, year. Some, yeah, though. yeah, no, I, absolutely because um. So the the cybersecurity major. Wait, so yeah. Yeah, uh, my my question was, how do you get? Uh, students to be part of your club like what was it just talking to people or were like there other communications like what do you recommend to previous like I'm this one person at this school I want to create a cybersecurity club like other than just talking about it like is there other ways you used to spread the message so that people could join the club um, I was really I was really lucky in the sense that the cybersecurity major Roger Williams isn't like tremendously large mm-hmm. we have something like something like 80 some odd yeah. students yeah so only 80 and, and then we have something like I think four to five thousand ballpark total or something like that we have like we're like a medium-sized university but out of all those thousands of kids there's only 80 of us mm-hmm. um, so when we take the classes we You're te- all in the same. We, yeah, classes, we tend to meet yeah. the same classes, and the people that we meet through those classes have had classes with these other people. Right. And but if you were in a larger school, let's say, like, would you print out flyers? Would you yeah. use an email uh, list? Yeah, like, I mean, obviously, yeah. Be creative, is I guess how how you recruit people. There's a Slack channel for the yeah the school um, or something like yeah, that. Right? Yeah. So, um, in, in terms of flyers, you know, if you want to put up flyers for a club, you have to like contact. Yeah, like, it's more possible. paperwork. You got to get yeah. permission. Yeah, you got to get a contact the student. Hey, Senate. but you know what, Matt? That's not unlike yeah. working for really any that's company fine. of any. So I mean, mm. even. As like much if you want a pen, pen test from AWS, you got to fill you it. You got to fill it up. Yeah, and yep. wait. It's the way of the world. Yeah, so you, you got to plan it out a little bit in advance. But um, yeah, so you could absolutely post up flyers. You could talk to whoever sends out like the, the you know every student gets the same bulk email from like some sort of like you know faculty representative. Yeah, you could ask them to send a bulk yeah, email yeah, you, out to everyone. You know, yeah. some sort of you know whatever. However, I think the news when I was at university, you, we could accept requests from students and student groups to send out bulk emails. Yeah, I do. I do it all the I time. Ran, I, I, I ran send mail, and I remember looking at. All that going, what is all that? I mean, yes, I have, a, yeah. I have a mailing list mail of all program. the. Yeah, I have really all the tech students, so I can send out yeah. mail. You know, I get people, employers. Yeah. I get. Do you uh, still use send mail, Doug? Do, do I send, use what? Do you send mail? Send mail. Send mail. Send mail is the the MTA for. Well, I administrated on. Oh, Solaris. No, I don't use send yeah. mail. It was awful. Yeah. Don't. Oh. You know, I, I used V mail and Comet. No, I'm not sure if mail, your uh, uh, SMTP server. Oh, as an SMTP server, yeah. And we do use send mail, so sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's still, there, it's still there. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um, Doug, or the rest of the illustrious host here tonight, questions for Matt? <clears throat> so what did you find as you got this, the, um, the program started, or the, the club started, did you find the... How did it, how did you uh, did you have troubles with retaining retaining people who were interested keeping people active how'd you how'd you deal with that Yeah so when when it first started off we had um, you know every, everyone's like yeah sure like I'll join your club and you're like all right good because that's new we need as many people as we can we gotta you know start looking official and um, sure there, there are people who joined who just kind of want to peek their head in um, and they never really like, showed up to a meeting but they're still on like the email list um, How but, often did you meet uh, so you're, you, we only meet about one, once a month mm-hmm. uh, because between all the different college students, everyone has sports, they have jobs, sure, yeah, classes yeah, line up. Mm-hmm. It, it's, an, it's hard enough picking a time during the week where we can get at least like 12 people. So have a monthly meeting, invite people to speak for some of them, maybe have a hands-on hacking lab, yeah. right? And then you've got like administrivia kind of stuff to do. Yeah, like yeah. The so they, they, then I'd, yeah. I'd send them links to Cybrary. Like, he, like if, right. if there's anything I didn't touch on, you can check it out here. If any recommendations, send to the club email. If you want to see us, you know, talk or like do something about something, mm-hmm. again, just send us an email. 
but in the uh, in the same vein of um, of that keeping people retained, it was it was a lot of just like feedback. So one of the first things we did we did, had like a vote. So uh, when we first started off, we had about like eighteen ish kids, and we sent out emails like, all right, so this is a new club. You guys kind of hopped right on the train, so you guys get to help decide like what you want to see. So we haven't set anything up yet. So we made like this big kind of like fill out a form sort of deal, mm-hmm. and we just kind of pulled. The, the members of like things that they want to see people they wanted to hear from topics that they were interested in and a lot of them were about like you know cybersecurity startups you know how to start up you know um, your own little you know unit versus you know digital forensics or you know law enforcement speakers about you know, like mobile phone forensics other people want to hear about pen testers or different strategies using like metasploit stuff like that so um, it really just depended on like, the feedback that we got and the way we priorito- uh, prioritized it is we took the top three like, percentage-wise of, um, of mm-hmm. the most requested and then we just made that our priority for the year. Um, and we were fortunate enough that uh, Doug helped us out with getting some like pen testing tools. Yeah, from, we like, bought from, uh, we bought some Arduinos, yep. we bought some Raspberry Pis, we bought some other stuff for people to play oh, with. Oh, Grandpa so. Doug came in and bought gifts. <laughs> That's for right. Hey, you can't have fun out there. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so we got some we got some things students were really interested in. We got things like the USB rubber ducky. We got like nice. the. Um, now does that stuff stay with the the club? Right? Yeah. So um, I we recognize how like. <laughs> dangerous it could be like be put in, like, in some sort yeah, you of you can't just like leave those laying around yeah. campus right? yeah, I can't, like, <laughs> or you could you could <laughs> I could be really, it would, IT would not be happy with yes. me yeah so I recognize that we, obviously we just can't be like hey if you guys want to use these just like let me know and you can lease them indefinitely like mm. no uh, we, we have like a form that they fill out for like a 24 or 48 hour period depending and then um, and where do you keep the stuff do you have with to me, like with prevent- me okay so um, like the, the whoever's the president can yeah hold on. I'm assuming that at some time you could have space for the club. At well, the, we have we know, have a lab that yeah. that belongs to cybersecurity. So sure. there's actually a space on yeah. campus that they could use. To ask your professors like, hey, yeah. we're gonna acquire stuff. Like we need a secure yeah. place to put yeah. it in a process to, yeah. to be able to use. As, it. The, as of the moment, we only have like four or five little devices, so I can carry them all sure. around like a little backpack. But sure. It, it, if we wind up getting more equipment, say if like for some reason we wind up getting like a server rack, I don't know. We could probably, not like a huge tall one, but we could probably get like a little... We little could probably find guy. someone who's looking to get rid of one, too. Yeah, well, yeah. We, we already, we have all that stuff. Well, yeah. So, uh, I, I was going to say, because I, I need a new server rack, because... <laughs> <laughs> you usually, when usually when Now I you're need, talking like my wife, though, is like, hey, so does the studio need like a new, a new, new couch, new chair? <laughs> like... Yeah, I'm like, we could use that. Oh, okay, because I just found this new one. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I see. I fell for it again. Ah, yeah, but it. We, we have a lot of used equipment at sure. school. So, you know, if you're trying to set stuff up for your school, go, you know, go check out with yeah, your IT around. group, your computer science department, and say yeah. what's left over. Because probably... Uh, when I worked for Brown, the I, we always had leftover. The, mm-hmm. Your you know, IT unit's probably yeah. got a, a giant, you know, locker yes, full of old advice. servers, old computers, old stuff that you can you can salvage. And by, and by, yeah, I was going to say by old, perfectly salvageable for sure. that you guys are going to And do. especially if you're trying to run Linux stuff and all these sure. kind of things, which run fine on older equipment. So, you know, and I get people donate servers all the time, you know, like, like we were using that IBM server that the mm-hmm. library gave us that there wasn't enough for their needs but it's perfectly fine for the stuff we're doing so you can go over there and ask for that stuff that they can't really get rid of it because then it becomes there's all this accounting there crap is, that yeah. i don't understand depreciation they call it yeah that. and they have to turn it into an <laughs> asset again and all this but, but i mean you can get that stuff nobody, and play nobody, with nobody it. appreciates or <laughs> depreciates that stuff nobody appreciates anyone in ID security damn it 
and we're going to do some CTF stuff next year. So we're starting to build out some. Yeah, Doug, gonna, what else are you doing to support this this great effort? Poor Matt seems like he's doing all the work here. And yeah, you just my, my, my come right. in like Grandpa Doug is like, ah, have a few rubber ah, duckies. Rub yeah. my feet, you. <laughs> <laughs> my back really hurts from carrying. You kids, come help me with my salve. My my back's killing me from carrying this whole. This whole club. So but next year, so Matt, you're you're moving on to. Yeah, well, so um, I'm a, I'm heading into my senior year, so I'm I'm not. I'm oh, not, I'm you're not heading quite, into yeah. your senior year. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, you're okay, right. Mr. So, so I, I got. So you I got, got a whole other year of yeah, doing this. Yeah, I, I got this one club. more run. Yeah. They, they can't get rid of me yet. They got they got to impeach me. <laughs> so. Uh, so you have to pass the torch to someone else when you yeah, leave. Yeah, yeah. I, I already have like a couple of people in mind, but yeah. So we're, we're, we're going to have to find replacements for the other like three or, you for know. the officers. Yeah, for of the, the officers club to make sure I'm, I'm it, not too you concerned about. See that it, it continues after you leave. Yeah, I'm obviously. not too concerned about that because from what I hear, the the next incoming class of freshmen for cyber is supposed to be like approximately double the total. Of, like, yeah, it was, we it was like more than that. we doubled yeah. like the size of the overall program. But but I mean, we we put a lot of stuff in the back end too. So like the CTF <laughs> stuff that we're. Okay. Phrasing. 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 Lana. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, yeah. So Doug, what are you going to do to help the club uh, in, in this next year? Well, we're in the process of doing some CTF stuff, so we're we're building. I mean, basically, when they come and ask for something, we try to provide it. So we do that for sure. any, we do it for it's anybody awesome. on campus. But when people come to my sort of pirate network. And they say, "Can we do this?" We mm -hmm. try to accommodate that. So we're going to do. Some you have a pirate network. Huh? I really do. Yeah, uh, <laughs> awesome. we have this thing I built that's called the Faculty Research Network. Those uh, of us like myself and Larry that worked for universities, pirate networks were probably the bane of our existence at one time. <laughs> yeah. Well, this the was the world's a way to largest Tor exit node. Yeah, this, this was the way to solve that problem. Helps me. On well, my network. <laughs> yeah. we, we wanted to solve that problem because when I was managing IT stuff at universities, I hated the people that did that. But I wanted a way for students to be able to explore this. I wanted, sure. I wanted to be able, when students came in and said, can we run a Tor node? Yes. Can we put a, can we can we build something weird that's that's not necessarily kosher? I wanted to be able to say, yeah, let's do it. And so like we have asked a, Doug this year to build a password cracking rig. Yeah, totally oh, we, we already dude. have that. Totally. Why haven't I heard about it? Because you've been asked. No. Okay. Ask. All right. Ask. All right. That's really cool. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I already then. <laughs> I know we're doing. I mean, the we first have month of we September. have a giant server room full of monstrous servers that are sitting there that could crack passwords all day long. That a are GPU. Better. You need a GPU cracking yeah. rig. Yeah, we got. Do you it. have that? Uh huh. Build a new one. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I really I've had students come in before and say, like, a few years ago, I had some students came in and they said, "We want to challenge you to a, a gaming rig build off." Oh. And so uh, and I just I got I got a donor to to fund it and we I built one and they built one mine was better. what was your but what was your budget <laughs> three thousand per it's a pretty good budget per combined. Yeah, so each so each. Yeah. wow it's pretty so, good so uh, my yeah. mine rocked their world theirs was good but theirs was too hot they they built it with yeah. AMD and I was embarrassed for them. Oh uh, yeah, they, they saved money on the process. What did they? What did they? What did they do with the rig afterwards? Did they get to keep it or? It's a, yeah, we won't say where it is. <laughs> okay, Doug's like they're both in my basement. My daughter and I are gaming every night. <laughs> what were you saying about misappropriation? Yes, <laughs> I was never here. They're <laughs> being depreciated. But no, we we built stuff and like depreciated that. It and depreciated. And so we're gonna build. We're gonna. We've got rack space allocated now for CTF. So to build out some stuff. And I was just actually getting bids on yeah. a on a network drop so that we could participate in something else. That's I know. Out there. I know of a club member of mine who's been trying it for a while to do a uh, RFID uh, brute force cracker. Yes. And they've been, they've been trying to type it up with like C code and like oh, a bunch of other stuff. They kind of hit some walls, but then they got to go to a couple cons. They had like the hardware hacking kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. they got to kind of like, you know, 
And we, and we try to take students to cons when we can. Yeah. Uh, you know, like in Colorado, I always took students to DEF CON. So we used to always take people to DEF CON. We had Are you going to take a, this year's comp coming class and for 2019 to DEF CON? Yeah, so I actually, that's, that's part of the budget I put in. I asked them for like some multi-thousands of dollars to send like six kids out. Or Good like, for you. Yeah, something like that. Like, well, I'm, I'm just waiting to hear back from them because I, I, I want to send at least the seniors because if they mm-hmm. haven't gone, it's really something like yeah. they got to do. Like, the only issue is, of course, it's kind of pricey because, like, you got to not only fly to Vegas, you got to stay, stay in there. Vegas, then you got to eat in Vegas. And then there's, then you gotta... like, strip clubs and, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, but we took, we took students to uh, AnyCon last year. So yeah. we, we took we took four students to AnyCon so they could see what that was like and nice. start meeting people and getting to know people. And I tried to take some people to Wild West Hackenfest, and it didn't. We didn't get the budget for it, but we're we're working on that because again, that was more expensive. It involved planes and trains and automobiles and traveling through South Dakota and yeah. riding riding on the cattle to, <laughs> to the get along, little doggy. Yeah. The last leg of this journey will be on a donkey. Yeah. <laughs> Two things that come out of South Dakota. If, 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 does, yeah. does war driving count if you're like on a horse? If you're just like it's called war horse. Horse driving, more, <laughs> more, more, more horse. Just be careful hey, how you say I've that. Got a question yeah. for Matt. Yeah, go can ahead, we go do horse driving? <laughs> got a question, Jeff? I have a question for you. So you know, you talk to young people that are in college and they want to grow up and become, you know, doctors. Let's say, for example, you know, they'll, they'll talk about, well, I want to grow up and I want to cure cancer or something <laughs> like that. What is your aspiration? In in terms of getting into this field, what 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 is your life goal of of what do you want to accomplish in this field? That was actually one of my questions. Good yeah. question, Jeff. Mm. It's a very big question. So, um, as of the moment, I'm trying to find like the right vein that I can really uh, work in and, and have it like not feel like a job. Because there's a lot of different classes I've taken that I think, oh, like this is all really cool. I think stuff. we call those consultants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yeah! It still feels like a job. Yeah. Well, see the world. They said. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Travel to wild and exotic places. They said. You're like east, middle of the nowhere courtyard, yeah. Marriott is where you're staying. Ninety percent of the time, man. East St. Louis. In the inside Wilkes of a conference Berry. room with no windows. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, but um, yeah, so. Uh, I'm heading into my senior year right now, and what I'm trying to do is get is, is get a feel for it, right? So my first mm-hmm. internship that I've done was with Homeland Security, working like a digital forensics internship, right? So I was in, like the I was in like the cybercrime like child exploitation unit, and they had me take apart laptops, handle evidence bags, stuff like that. It was all really cool. I couldn't really mm-hmm. look at much because it's it's you know I gotta sign all these waivers and these guys I gotta see like psychologists every so often. But um, that is a, that is actually a thing. That's that not, is. No, he's, he's not yeah. making yeah. that up. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's actually. Right. True. Yeah. I actually talked to several people that. Yeah, I think they had to go like once every two years just to like make sure they're like they're still. I had to go once to a month, but once a month. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That was for different reasons, though. Yeah, let's be honest. Then they let me back in. Um, yeah. Why we don't know to this day, but. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so that, that, that was the first very first one I did. It was really cool because I'd like. You know, as of like a heading into my junior year, I got to put like Homeland Security. But on, Matt, on you my haven't resume. chosen what you want to do in security it's exactly, yet, right? Yeah. You're kind of still that, trying stuff I'm, I'm out. St- yeah, I'm, st- I'm still window shopping, kind of. College is all about experimentation, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a time and a place for everything. <laughs> to and figure what, out what kind of technology you want yeah, to work of course, with. That's yeah. what I'm, what I'm Teledildonics, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Not that kind of technology, Larry. Oh. <laughs> 
But yeah, so um, my, my, my upcoming internship for this summer is, is, is with a bank. I'm working like risk management, which is just, you know, the different kind of vein of Don't let that discourage you from working in information security. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've, I've kind of pulled about what it's about. You said working for a bank, risk and management in the same sentence. Yeah. Just warning you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've told, I've told hey, people don't that. don't taint him now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just that with an open mind. Yes. Yeah. And then I think I think you're gonna love risk management. Yeah, you can decide later. It's soul sucking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the kind of uh, reactions I've gotten when I told you they're like, oh, oh, and you'll be old enough to drink by then. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, that's important. Yeah, uh, so, and you'll um, want to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> heavily. Yeah, I, I, I've heard it's it's pretty didactic. But um, get right to the whiskey. Whoa, yeah. Get right to the hard mean, stuff, man. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, the, but then after that, I think the next one for like up the like, summer of 2019, or after I graduate, I'll probably take a peek. My my goal is to try to get into like a SOC, like security operations center, just kind of get into like the actual cybersecurity nitty gritty. And then out of all three, I'll say, okay, do I want to, you know, be digital forensics guy? Do I really want to go into IT security? Do I do I want to be like a pen tester? Do I want to try to you know get certified in like some sort of Cisco system? Should I you know? And then once I get it from all those jobs, I'll figure out you know what kind of certifications they they're looking for. Some really like you to have your Linux Plus and Security Plus and A Plus, blah blah blah. Some it's a good strategy. My one piece of advice is to gain experience in something that may not necessarily be security related, but help desk, systems administration, network administration. Well, right. If you can find an internship or gain some of that experience before you go work in a SOC, you're going to have a much better, much better experience, in my opinion, mm -hmm. than with the other yeah. members of the panel. At the, uh, Absolutely. At, at the work study job that I attend through, mm -hmm. through, through, um, through the university, I, I work at the, the um, what do they call it? They're going to crucify me for not knowing this. It's a little help desk that's like right in front of the library. Um, it's like desktop support or something. Oh. It's uh, me media tech. Media tech. Yeah, media okay. tech. Um, so it, it's basically the people come in, their laptop, they drop their laptops, they spill their coffee on it, and then they go, help me please, on, you know, can, can you fix this for free? Perfect. That's exactly <laughs> the experience I was looking for, Matt. Go, that's perfect. How yeah. new is it? Do you have warranty? <laughs> like, no, that's, that's good. So then, um, <laughs> You can has warranty? <laughs> <laughs> and then you, most of the time they're like, I don't know, my, my dad bought this like two years ago. And I'm like, yeah. And he got a new one, gave yeah. me his old one for when I went to college. College. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that, that's kind of like why I took it because you know, no, it's good experience. Being, yeah, it, it's also like a, like like a event support setup, so it's like setting up rooms with like lights, sound, blah blah blah. So it's not only it, it's yeah, any kind of experience with general technology yeah. is good. That, that's awesome. Yeah, so just you know, technology that you know, deviating away from computers, even just like audio and you know, running cables and you know. Other kind of wait, you can set up lights and run cables, and you've got experience with Linux. Yeah, uh -huh. that sounds like a really good fit to work here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look at this let's place start. after yeah. the show. Let's talk. All right, all right, all right. Forget that damn so, risk management. Yes, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, my production so, guys are like, wait, so, hold on, we yeah. need that. We don't want to run <laughs> you the cables. Start tonight. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in between segments, we're gonna change sets, Matt. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I mean, my, 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 my paperwork's not in yet, so I mean, uh, <laughs> there you go. But um, yeah. So um, yeah, I always try. I've always just been a fan of tech in general like you know as a high school job i worked at best buy which you know everyone has no that's about. that's but um, there are some people i tell you what i i talked to at best buy that are i mean they're awesome people who, no, who there's really some know people their stuff yeah that i'm like good lord like how are you even functioning as a human being let alone <laughs> working, at, working best at best buy like you were completely useless to me and then there's other people that kind of recognize like when our hosts go into best buy that we're like 
I want that. Can you just go go get me that? And like, I want the warranty on it for like this year. Like, just go get. And they're like, yes, I can go do that. And they're very helpful. Yeah. But it's really but cool. But that's good experience. Yeah. That's well, good. it's cool because, like, in, it, you know, back in high school, you had to be trained in all this technology because you had to know about it in order to pitch it and sell it. They didn't want you kind of like, hey, buy this super great thing. Oh, cool. What does it do? Oh, let me, super great things. Yeah, let me let, let me get my manager. He can tell you. <laughs> yeah. like, like, but that's important, too. Yeah. I mean, the laundry list of technology that, you know, all of us have messed around with in support, even just Penta. Like Larry and I were just talking about Wi-Fi devices we're going to cover next, right? Yeah. Like, you got to know that stuff. Yeah, so. Wi- Wi- Wi-Fi is one of those like taboo things that everyone's like mom or grandpa calls about. It's like, can you fix the Wi-Fi? Ugh. It's, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's, 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 it could be a million and two things, but odds are I'll just You'll turn it off, turn it back on phone. again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, that's wrong. That, I mean that's what I do to fix the Wi-Fi in my house. Go down to the basement, unplug, plug, put yeah. it back yeah. in. Yeah. Hey, we, honey, is it working now? Yeah, it works great. What'd you do? And oh, magic. we could ask Matt the final. What is that on my screen? We got, <laughs> the Slack channel during the show is very is very interesting. <laughs> Hey, I wanted to add real quick. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Going back to what Paul was saying in terms of advice about trying other jobs that are not apparently, you know, security related. My only pushback to that is I think all jobs in most companies these these days are security related, and if you don't think that way, you should think that Mm -hmm. way. I was trying to explain to my friends the other night because they were like, "Well, you know, I never really see postings for cybersecurity jobs." I'm like, oh, believe me, they're out there. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, zero percent um, unemployment rate in the, the security industry. Yeah. Because yeah. uh-huh. I, I mean, the, the, the way I kind of explained it, I was like, I don't, just take a, like, like any business that handles bank information, like your social security number, your your routing number, blah blah. You know, say that to bill you. You they have, to have your credit card number, right? They communicate that to another computer somewhere at some point. If if they're not on their game, like sure they could probably rip. You know, look what happened to like Home Depot way back when and Target and all the fiasco. Chili's, 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 most recent shining example. Yeah, literally. And then you know, PlayStation Network had that thing. They were PCI compliant though, so they so they say. Yeah. So well, especially now because you know, especially like I hear you whistling, Jeff. I hear you whistling. Well, especially now, like even now, I get family members who like you know after you know. Jeff was a PCI TSA. PSA, yeah, really. A PSA, yeah, it was PSA. QSA. PSA. Actually, he just PSA when you're Jeff's age is something completely different. Yeah, he just filmed PSAs for the TSA. Ah, okay. On what not to do going through TSA. Here's your PSA. But yeah, so like. Sorry, Jeff. Yeah, so in terms of that, like I mean. I forgot the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think there was and one. And this yeah. interview was is over. Or why don't you understand risk management? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Matt, are you ready to play five questions with Security Weekly? Oh boy. Okay, good. Three <laughs> words to describe yourself. Um, let me see. Uh, there you go. See, that's great. Yeah. Let me see. Oh. Good answer. <laughs> you're, okay. you're good at math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Best uh, answer. I would say. Uh, definitely, definitely nerdy. Definitely got a lot of nerdy quirks, but it's kind of a given. Like, like nerdy about hip hop, nerdy. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> is it, are you gonna give me like hip hop trivia? Inside joke, inside joke. Oh. It was before. No, it was before the. I was telling our listeners before the show we were joking about. Anyway, so nerdy, <laughs> so nerdy, nerdy, nerdy. Um, I would, I would say I'm pretty, pretty focused for the most part. 
And then that's uh, an interesting quality to have for security professionals. Yeah. Most some yeah. of us don't. Uh, that's right. That but you did just forget that question. Yeah, I did forget that question. No, he did say for the most part that'll be my my third. For the most part, yeah. Okay, forgetful. Oh, that, 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 well, you can put forgetful in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. absent, absent-minded. Airhead? If you were a serial killer, what would be your weapon of choice? Is this like on record? Like, am I being recorded? Like, yeah, you are being recorded. <laughs> yes. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. That's right. I took a and by potential employers yeah, in the right. future. I t- <laughs> who will watch this I took interview? A, uh, I took a forensics class in my senior high school, and they said that the perfect weapon to commit murder with would be an icicle. There you go. Because the evidence melts. That's a good answer. And all that, just pull water. Like, oh, what's this? If you wrote a book about yourself, what would the title be? <laughs> um, I, I, I no, wish I, I'd never done this. Yeah. <laughs> um, dear God, make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just after taking Duck's class. There you go. <laughs> Day one of Duck's class. In the popular game of Ask Grabby Grabby, do you prefer to go first or second? Ask Grabby Grabby? They don't play. It's not a college. It's not a college thing. You don't play Ask Grabby uh, Grabby. In college. I thought it would be a popular college game, like yeah, a drinking it's game. Cambridge. It's more important. It's more. Uh, more it's, it's all. It's, it's all it's beer popular pong. Like, more, more European college. Yeah, it's popular in Europe. It's, yeah. all, it's, it's all beer pong and flip cup. I mean, it's the, it's the easiest question. It's first or second. It's multiple choice, and there's only two choices. And then neither okay. one of them is wrong. <laughs> Again, the easiest question in the world. So what, what were my two choices? Uh, in Ask Grabby Grabby, do you prefer to go first or second? He's living up to his book. Yeah. Absent-minded. Yeah. Uh, Forgetful. Yeah, literally. Uh, I'd go first. There you go. Okay. Choose two celebrities to be your parents. Alive, dead, fictional, parents. or otherwise. Um... Oh, man. Because I could pick, like, really rich parents, but I could also pick just, like, really funny ones. Or really hot ones. Again, there's oh. no right or wrong answer. <laughs> mm, that's true. this question. I don't know. Um, Charlie Sheen. Oh, my God. Uh, that'd be funny. He's got an awesome human <laughs> Tiger's blood. I'm in. Tiger's blood. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, would do, I would do Ryan Reynolds as my dad. Guys, a riot. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty big oddball. It'd be pretty fun. What do I want for my mom? It's like a smoke. You could even pick Deadpool. I mean, no, I mean uh, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds yeah. and Deadpool. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Hey, it's a modern <laughs> age. Yeah, yeah. Co parenting. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I like it. Matt, thank you very much yeah, no for appearing on Security Week. Are you going to stick around? You're right, Doug. You're right over there. <laughs> oh, I'm just enjoying that. Though. Okay. We're going to take a short break, come back, and do a technical segment. So stay tuned. Introducing the new DigiCert as the leading provider of high assurance SSL, TLS, and PKI certificates, DigiCert is all about improving security across the web and IoT. DigiCert is committed to helping customers and partners successfully deploy identity, authentication, and encryption solutions. They'll even help you figure out which certificate you need to secure your web domains, apps, devices, and more. Check out the Cert Wizard tool under the SSL tab on digicert.com. The average time between being hacked and realizing you've been hacked is one year. Can you afford to let an intruder roam your network for that long? Can your company weather the fallout when this comes to light? Black Hills Information Security can find the bad guys in your network and train you to do it yourself. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to find out how a hunt teaming engagement can help you find a persistent threat in your network. Signal Sciences is the industry's first web protection platform that works in any cloud, any container, any platform as a service, and any modern application architecture. The Signal Sciences web protection platform can be deployed in next generation WAF, RASP, or reverse proxy modes, giving customers ultimate flexibility and coverage. Protect your web applications with Signal Sciences web protection platform. Signal Sciences, protecting applications, connecting teams. For more information, check them out at signalsciences.com forward slash PSW. Welcome back, everyone, to... Hey, there I am. 
to Paul Security Weekly. This is our technical segment for this evening. Larry, you've got a creative way, yes. I think. Yes. <laughs> that you would like to give away. Is it two or one ticket? Two tickets or one? Is it hell out of me? Sam, is it one? One? Two, two tickets, tickets to B-Sides Rhode Island. So you can bring yourself and a guest. Nice. Nice. So you're giving away two tickets to B-Sides Rhode Island. The so- social, social engineering. Yeah. It's because Patrick Laverty is the organizer to SE Rhode Island, and, and Patrick and I were also the organizers to B-Sides, B-Sides. Rhode Island. Secure Social Engineering Rhode Island. SE-RI.org yes. to learn more. Yes. Uh, so what's the deadline for submissions? For uh, the C- uh, for no for the the con- the two ticket giveaway to buy tickets no, oh, the no. ticket giveaway to the, the ticket, ticket giveaway. oh our own internal ticket giveaway contest yes. yes I would say two weeks two weeks from now so that would be what June first June first roughly right like so, beginning of June yeah if you want to win tickets yeah the best judged by the security weekly staff yeah we're we gonna have like an official vote like. A virtual vote. We're all going to get in like a virtual vote. A Slack now, channel. Now read. It. Now following instructions is important. Uh-oh. Send your entries to psw at securityweekly.com. Yep. Okay. I like this P- so far. Psw at securityweekly.com. I'm nervous. What's going to come the next? Best <laughs> meme featuring Paul and Larry. Wow, it's Fo- a Photoshop contest. Photoshopping oh. is okay, or pictures you find on the internet. It's okay if we see the pixels. You know, don't Tokyo, worry about yeah, your Photoshop yeah, skills. Right. You could use the be- Microsoft Paint if you wanted yep, to. In fact, I encourage that. The best that meme. That scores points with me if you use the best Paint. meme of Paul and Larry. That's awesome. Security relevance. I like that because you know you're going to, we're all going to use those in our presentations now. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> I would like to say we retain full rights to use those in our presentations. We will give credit, but we will uh, use those in our, our uh, presentations. Absolutely. So. So, so by June first, good job. PSW at securityweekly.com. The best memes featuring both Paul and Larry. That's so beautiful in so many ways, Larry. <laughs> it gives us entertainment. It gives us content. I'm, I'm all moist. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> there, wow. There's meme Larry, number one. Not? Any of the hosts. Uh, I think it's time to change the depends, uh, Doug. If that's <laughs> usually the that's usually the case of the moist. So niceness. hey, this is our technical segment uh, <laughs> called configuring your own travel router, including uh, setting up OpenVPN and uh, my recent uh, experiences. So I do have slides. Can we put my my slides up and, and kind of go back and forth between me and my slides? Hey, there's my slide. So I put together some slides for this technical segment. At the low Feature, s- featuring memes, featuring memes, yes, and could be your meme. So I guess the first question is like, why do you need a travel router? And I, I kind of like you've, we talked about these actually early on with Josh Wright years mm-hmm. ago about how you could use uh, some access points from major manufacturers as essentially a travel router, and it would automatically VPN back you uh, backhaul you to yep. your own network. I'm like, that's really cool. Um, so recently we were at a conference, it came up with just one of these use cases. So why do you need a travel router? Um, one case is you don't want to configure a VPN client on every single one of your devices. So let's say you're traveling for work or you're going to a security conference. You want to be security conscious. You've got a tablet, you've got a phone, and you've got a laptop. <clears throat> if you have a VPN provider, whether it's VPNing you back to your company, or in this case, I'm using OpenVPN using a public service to uh, encrypt my traffic uh, to the provider and then be able to browse the web. I don't want to have to configure and maintain an uh, OpenVPN instance on my Android phone, another one on my Android tablet, and then one on my Linux laptop. I want to just have all those three devices, and when I connect, 
consolidate that one connection inside of a travel router. It gives me flexibility to use whatever devices I want without having to maintain a client on each of them. The other thing is you want an encrypted tunnel when you're using someone else's network. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of, <coughs> in our particular use case, it was actually our streaming server. It was very concerned that the data that we would send over our streaming server, the authentication token that we use to authenticate to our streaming provider mm-hmm. to say, we're broadcasting on Security Weekly's channel on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever we're streaming. Uh, I was concerned someone would intercept that because with that, you couldn't completely take over someone's account likely, but you could definitely take control of the streaming, which means if you wanted to stream Larry's poop for three hours, you, you could. could do that. And yep. like, this, this could go wrong. <laughs> this could go horribly wrong. Yeah, remember that time when we used to use HTTP on our wiki and someone logged into it yes, at CCDC? that happened to us. That was another yep. security incident uh, yep. that happened, yes. Uh, so I want an encrypted tunnel when we're doing anything at a conference, especially, or when you're traveling. Um, so the other thing is you have devices that have no monitor, mouse, or keyboard in which you use to fill out a CAPTCHA uh, or enter, you know, the even just click OK on a Wi-Fi, like, pop-up box uh, that I'm going to use the hotel Wi-Fi or I'm plugged into Ethernet and that yet still requires some kind of knack or something on the other side that lets me accept something that, like, yes, I accept your policies or log in or whatever the case may be. You may not have that on your devices. Sure, if you have a phone, a tablet, or a laptop, you do, but what if you have some kind of streaming server like we had or some other kind of device that you want to plug in and work with when you're on a pen test, Larry, right? You probably have lots of you. like, I want to update firmware on this whatever uh-huh. weird embedded system, and I can't just plug it into the hotel network because it doesn't have a, a mouse or keyboard or, or yep. a monitor on it. So I liked it for that. Again, the driver for this, the reason I ordered these was... Uh, we're actually going to, we started live streaming for uh, maybe the first time. We've done some live streaming before, mostly just audio. This is the first time I think we've live streamed video from a conference was at Source Boston last week. So, and it was a learning experience. It was a learning experience. I learned that hotel IT staff <laughs> at certain hotels are completely useless. <laughs> um, and so we couldn't get access to the Ethernet and their Wi-Fi had, uh, you know, some kind of CAPTCHA on it. And so, uh, hence the solution uh, that we have. So, uh, w- what do you buy? And uh, thankfully, uh, our friend Mark, who visits here in studio, uh, is a listener of the show and a fan of the show and visits us in studio, uh, said, hey, Paul, I got one of these devices. He's like, you could totally benefit from using one of these devices. And I'm like, all right, well, what is that? I took a picture you know, of the label to get the model number. Mm-hmm. And so the question was, well, what do you buy, Paul? Um, so I bought this. It's GLINet yep. is the, comp- yep. the company that rebrand i'm sure it's, it's a chinese thing right yeah, like yeah. it's a chinese company that hmm. i'm sure you could probably find a different chinese company that's selling the, the exact stuff. same hardware yep go, and the, go google search for gli or amazon for yeah. gli gli dot sorry gl dot inet yeah. yes and yeah you'll find you'll find a hundred of them yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, and there's, tons all, of there's different many, models. many different right. like configurations and types and models of them sure. too, and and you can get unbranded ones that are the same chipset. Same chipset, right? Yeah, exactly. it's just now they're not called GL.inet. They're, they're just like called Endu or Yahoo or yeah, exactly, yeah. Wahoo or yes. <laughs> so you can see the pictures of uh, of the device there. It's got my uh, my 4G uh, AT&T LTE modem on it. And uh, this is a GL.inet GL-AR300M uh, is the device that I chose. Again, as we said, there's tons of different options for you. 
uh, in even just GL, iNet, let alone the yep. other like not like other. I wouldn't even call them knockoffs. They're like other brands. Mm -hmm. They're probably the same, the same hardware. They're the same motherboard with right. just a different case. And, and like I say, you can get that motherboard with or that board with just about any kind of soldered on configuration from USBs. To, sure. I didn't see one with HDMI on it, but you could probably find probably. one somewhere. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's so another model with external antennas. The point is, yeah. the ones I bought were thirty-two dollars. Right. Yep. So I bought two of them. The, like, one, the ones that I bought recently. Recently, were the GLI net uh, GLAR 150s mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because I didn't care whether they had like AC or any of that stuff. I'd slow was fine, right? Because I'm typically real limited by the upstream network. Yep. Um, and those were fine, and those were 24.99. There you go. And they're the same form factor. And I think the one with the external antennas is like 45 or 50 bucks. I saw one yep. of those for 39 this afternoon. I think they had two. Nice. It had two external antenna loads on it, so that were actually pre-built into it. So that was the yeah. point. Is shop around, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, when the, you're looking the, at this hardware. The, uh, the AR-150, $24.99 with internal, $26 with external. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so this is a, a Qualcomm uh, processor uh, on here. It's mm -hmm. the QCA9531 650 megahertz uh, processor. It has 128 megs of DDR2 RAM, 16 megs of storage, plus you can upgrade that to 128 NAND dual flash if you like, typically that upgrade was similar to your antenna upgrade there, Larry. Mm -hmm. Like it was a, like an extra five bucks and you get yeah. 128 megs of flash. Um, I mean, if you're just using it for this purpose, you probably don't even need any more storage on it, right? The only good reason to get extra flash on these things is because later, if you want to upgrade... And install you, packages and stuff. You want stuff, to install yeah. packages or even later there's a new firmware or mm -hmm. there's some other firmware that you haven't thought about yet that you want to put on there later. Yep. The more flash you have, the more likely you'll be able to get that. I mean, if it's you're paying $50 for that, then that's not a good deal. But if you're paying 5 bucks to upgrade the flash, I would upgrade the flash Absolutely. anytime. Um, so uh, it has you know Wi-Fi on it as well as two Ethernets. Um, and a USB port on it, which is awesome. So, uh, and it's really low power. Now, they do say when you power it that uh, if you're going to use an external USB, uh, like 4G LTE modem, that you should have at least a 5 volt 2 amp. Did I get that right? Like 5 volt 2 amp huh? power supply uh, or greater to power the device because yeah. that obviously that USB is drawing yep. uh, a lot of power. So and it powers over regular USB to, to micro USB. Um, so I powered it off my laptop at first, and then when I had my 4G modem on, I actually had a 12 volt, uh, 2 amp uh, output on my USB hub that's powered. So I plugged it into that, and it was fine. Um, so next slide. Uh, so then, uh, once we've selected our hardware, the hmm. next slide is how. How do we uh, actually? Configure this piece. Now, it comes with its own version of um, OpenWare. You can put whatever firmware on there. In fact, on the manufacturer's website, they've got different options. If you want to put your own OpenWRT on there, mm -hmm. uh, I would do that. Actually, I would probably recommend it because these devices come from China. One of the things I noticed was like that there was a package called like China DNS. And I think by default, your DNS yep. traffic was being routed to China. Like there's weird, when you buy cameras or routers or any of this gear that comes branded directly from China, they typically have, in my experience, some kind of link back to the manufacturer mm -hmm. or something, like your NTP servers might be pointing there or something weird. So it's best to wipe all that stuff out. I think um, they just do some it. of it just to test it. I think they blow a yeah. they blow an image onto stuff to test it, and then they just leave it on there. Hey, and, it worked. And, it, and yeah, and, and suddenly you're connected back to the mainland. 
Sure. Um, so this Nicole. particular uh, device, you can see in the, the diagram, this is the initial interface. Um, and I'll show you how to get to the advanced interface as well, because this one is very basic uh, and tries to be user-friendly, but really isn't, but just tries to be basic about it. There is a, a toggle switch that you can move from left to right. And in the software, you can configure what that does. So you can flip the mode between uh, like a bridge or a Wi-Fi hotspot, or they give you some options to program that button. Of course, when Larry and I wrote the book on WRT54G routers, mm -hmm. We realized that any button in any light was programmable right well, through the firmware. It was yep. very easy to write a, a shell mm. script that would yep. toggle all, that stuff. All and that's all, all GPIO. And you, yeah, you mm. could just write a, uh, with OpenWord, you could just write a script to uh, intercept any of those uh, GPIO toggles and do whatever you want. Right. <clears throat> um, so that's the initial uh, <coughs> interface for it. Wow, that's uh, what it again. looks like. Yeah. I've never used the web interface on them because uh, I have Lucy not installed on mine. Yes. So it has so no web interface, so I version. used SSH. Yeah. Well, actually use Telnet first. And then SSH, like in traditional open work. Yeah. yeah. So obviously the first thing to do is to set your own SSID and password on it uh, for clients, which you definitely want to do as your first step uh, in locking it down. Don't Obviously don't leave the default. It does not... But ask you for a default password. You have to enter a password mm -hmm. when you first configure it. But the default is conveniently written on the bottom, so you don't forget it. It is. It is. So if you need to reset, I haven't played with the reset. There is a reset button on it as well. I haven't played around with the reset button. I'm assuming if you hold it in for five seconds, <clears throat> which is another trappable event in, in open where it makes it easy to do that, it probably just reconverts, uh, re uh, puts on there the default factory settings. Which, from my memory now, is based on NVRAM settings, right? It'll yep. read yes. the NVRAM and then uh, rebuild everything. And if you, and if you mess with those <coughs> traps of that button press, be careful, because if you disable that, you can fry yourself, and then you just brick it. Of course, you're out 25 bucks, so right. it's like, ooh. <laughs> you hope it's got a, a feature in the BIOS that lets you TFTP new firmware. Yeah, if, if it will, it if up. you can get if, into if it. That's that has to be configured, though. Um, yep. So, uh, upgrade firmware. That's important. I'm kind of leery. I, I I don't know. I might stick with this firm. I might not because this comes from a Chinese company. I'm a, a little <laughs> kind of a little scared about uh, doing that. But inside the firmware, you can just go like check for new firmware. If there's a new version from this GL.inet manufacturer, get new firmware. So I upgraded the firmware on mine because especially when you're working with uh, 3G, 4G LTE modems, if you bought a new one like I did from AT&T for $7 a month, they give you the latest version. Right. Mm -hmm. But like all this hardware that you plug it into needs to have like the latest drivers and know how to talk to it. So that was one, uh, other than security, a good reason to update firmware. Our live streamer is an embedded system that we plugged my uh, new modem into it and it wasn't recognizing it. Mm. And we had to do a firmware upgrade from the company. Now, maybe to talk about in the next segment, this company makes you file a support request, plug your device into the internet, and does the firmware update for you, and does not give you access to the firmware, Ooh. which of course begs the question, what are they hiding? In right. this case, uh. for this device manufacturer, you can see all of the firmware, get all of the firmware, and put your own firmware on it if you don't trust the firmware from this manufacturer. So you can Wireshark the update. That's exactly what I said to Mark when he did it. I'm like, let's do it again. And Wireshark so the update. And, wire and you got update. the update, and you can see got what the they firmware did. the firmware, and probably run strings on the firmware and go, oh, hey, look, a backdoor. Yeah. Hey, open source. That. Yep. Huh. Uh, <laughs> so you can, in the upper right-hand corner, you can kind of see advanced settings. When you click advanced settings, you get the Lucy 
uh, interface in OpenWRT. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's really just OpenWRT running under the yeah. covers. They give you the facility to access that if you want to poke through, if you're more comfortable with OpenWRT. Uh, I did just pop in there and take a look at you know the kernel version. And actually, the OpenWRT has an awesome interface uh, for monitoring performance on it. Mm-hmm. So it gives you like CPU and resource utilization. Um, one of my tests I want to do is like run some traffic through it and see what the uh, CPU utilization is on it and see what my bottleneck might be. Typically, as Larry said, your bottleneck's probably going to be your upstream. upload speed, yep. especially if you're using a 4G modem. <laughs> I got about hotel. one meg, one meg down, one meg up on my my 4G uh, LTE USB modem. Yeah, it's, uh, it's better than Josh gets in Middletown. Well, and, and be be careful when you do throughput tests on these kind of devices that you don't get too nasty with them. Because like Paul keeps saying, the upload, or, or Larry was saying, the mm. upload's going to be the big bottleneck. And I've seen people do a lot of throughput tests on these things, and they go, oh, it's not very fast. And you go, yeah, but what you're going to connect it to is not very fast either. And and so just, just I mean, I know they said that, but just as a caution. My, my ping time went from like 32 milliseconds to 110 when I applied the VPN, which I'll talk about next as well. So it's a good thing to run a speed test if you're late. And so in our, again, our application was to use our streaming device securely from conferences. When we go to conferences, it's places like Black Hat and DEF CON. So security <laughs> is absolutely important and a speed. factor in what we use and not even Trump's speed in those environments, right? But the streaming service we use has their own proprietary protocol that goes to their servers and then their servers cache it and then send it out to YouTube or Facebook or wherever you're streaming. So for us, I'm like, Mark, the latency is like, you know, three or four times what it should be if we run a VPN over it or maybe we use a 4G modem and it's got some latency and bandwidth issues. But as long as we can make a solid connection to their server, they're going to cache it. And if our live stream lags by five minutes, like Mark's comment was, yeah, they won't know the difference. <laughs> like, if you're watching it live, you don't know, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> unless you're on the phone with someone who's there, right? Or yep. whatever. But you're watching it with a friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you see what oh Paul God, did now? Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> you can see up his kilt. <laughs> <laughs> so I configured uh, an OpenVPN client. I was kind of curious when I got this device what I needed to configure for OpenVPN. I'm like, do I need to set up my own server? Can you use a publicly available service? Turns out you can use a publicly available service or set up your own OpenVPN server, which I have in the past. For the purposes of this segment, I'm using OpenVPN. Uh, They were actually a former sponsor of Security Weekly, and I've met the the founder and CTO of that company. So I feel like since I talked to people at that company, I felt like I could trust them more so yeah. than any other any other uh, VPN company, which can get kind of shady, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want the least shady one, in my opinion, of them all, solely because I've talked to uh, the founders and people that work there. So uh, I configured uh, Pro XPN, uh, and the configuration was kind of weird in two ways, which reminds me, when you do the USB 4G modem, like I, I went through all the settings and it still wasn't connecting and then I unplugged the modem and I plugged it back in and like magically it connected. So like whatever, it's a little buggy in that respect. Yeah. The other bugs were... Service networking restart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, this is exactly what it is, right? Um, so with the VPN though, like I would upload my certificates as three, you know, the CA, uh, the client secret and the client key and the client certificate and the open VPN file all need to be uploaded to your uh, OpenWRT router or this yep. GL.inet, right? And it would give me all kinds of weird errors. Like sometimes it would be like, oh, I can't find the certificates because they're config files looking for in the SSL directory. So then you put them in the SSL directory and your initial upload fails. And you're like, 
So I'll take them out of the SSL directory and then reconfigure. Like, there's a lot of like hoops I had to go through uh, to get it to work. Once it did work, then the first server it connected to wouldn't connect. So I'll, I'll talk about that. So anyway, that's the configuration screen in which you do that. The interface for this is is really wonky. Like I said, it took me a bunch of tries to get like what I felt was right for the configuration, and then you have to <coughs> click that little enable checkbox uh, and then click apply. And that's how you make it connect to the VPN. It was mm. kind of wonky like that. Um, so anyway, I Yay, did it China. eventually. Yeah, exactly. Get it connected. <laughs> but so my first problem or one of my problems was uh, it would make a connection to ProXPN servers and it would just in a loop. It would just time out because in that config file, it tells it to retry over, uh, and, you over, know, over and over again. Yep. So I went to I dug in all the links, uh, the link to this presentation slides uh, is in the show notes, wiki.securityweekly.com. And uh, at the end of this presentation is all the links to all the resources I found when I did this little project. So I went to ProXPN's site. I dug around in their knowledge base. And I found this screen right here, which is basically for Android devices, but is an OVPN file for all of these different destinations. And they list out all their cities and countries mm. that they connect to. So I chose New York via TCP. And in that OVPN file is the clear text of all your certificate files in addition to your configuration, which is bouncing between three servers in right. New York on three different ports. I'm like, let me try that configuration. That did eventually work. And I'll, I'll give you the link to that if you're using ProXPN. This is the instructions. You have to download from ProXPN and it differs for your VPN provider. They have instructions on the gl.inet website. You download, like in this case, the Mac version. You unzip the Mac version of their VPN client and you get the certificates in the OVPN file from there you put that in your own zip file and then upload that zip file to the router so the process was like i said i had to kind of it mess. wasn't cut and dried no i had to mess with all the settings along the way um that in case you wanted as a reference is a configuration file that worked for me uh you can see those remote and then an ip address in a port uh at the top there and then about three quarters of the way down, you'll see the CA, the cert, and the key. Uh, so I had to add that into the configuration file that they sent me. Because on Android, I guess they put it all in one file. This uh, open Requires word wanted separate. it all separate. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's you can reference my uh, configuration file there. So the resources, which is really important. The Amazon link to go by the router, the documentation for the router, the product page for the router are all there. Um, on ProXPN, there's a list of sites and configuration files. The link to that is in there. And then there's a link on gl-inet.com on how to configure OpenVPN on your device. All of the websites that I referenced uh, are in uh, my slides for this tech segment. And my plug at the end is I will be at se-ri.org. Uh, that's the website. I will be at se-ri, the conference, yep. uh, giving a presentation uh, and if you, what was the contest? Let me remind them of that. You need to send a meme of both Paul, of both Paul and I to PSW at securityweekly.com by June 1st. There you go. Judged by the Security Weekly staff. And we will pick two, I guess two winners, right? Because we had two tickets. Well, no. The top well, two? Well, you or are we going to give two tickets to one person? Yeah, two tickets to one person. Okay. We're, Doug says we're giving two tickets to one person so you can bring yourself and your significant and, other. Because who and, doesn't want to go to a social and, engineering and, conference? And if, uh, <laughs> if, if you win... It's a can, hot date. If you win and you can only go by yourself, you can elect to say, I'd like to give the second ticket to number two. Sure. That's right. Or, you know, if you decide to take your significant other, we'll give you a gift basket complete with wine and cheese and crepes. 
And condoms. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I was just teeing that up for you. That was yep. like a lob. I lobbed it right in the strike zone, and Larry hit the home and, run. And to quote my good friend Joshua Wright, 47 boxes of dog biscuits and a tube of KY. <laughs> oh. Dog biscuits. All right, I'm out. Why <laughs> dog why dog biscuit? You Dear know what? God. We'll that, talk about that, that, and that is why we will talk about that during the break as we end the segment and come back on the security news for this week's Stay Tuned. IT Pro TV, binge-worthy learning for IT teams. Why is it binge-worthy? It's learning presented in an engaging and entertaining talk show format that beats voice over PowerPoint snooze fests. Watch over 3,300 hours of content in their on-demand library, on your desktop, on the go, or in the comfort of your own living room. IT Pro TV is IT training you and your team actually want to watch, which means a better return on your learning investment. Get started with IT Pro TV for teams by visiting itpro.tv forward slash securityweekly and start a seven-day free trial and get 30% off standard or premium IT Pro TV memberships using the code SECWEEKLY30. Today's determined attackers easily bypass even the most advanced network defenses. Trying to ramp up staff to detect their back doors can cost thousands of dollars and take months, even years. With Active Countermeasures AI Hunter, we enable junior analysts to detect even the most advanced back doors in a matter of hours. Sign up for a demo and purchase our product today by visiting activecountermeasures.com forward slash PSW. Active countermeasures. Make every analyst a hunter. Endgame automates the hunt for both known and never-before-seen adversaries in enterprise networks. Built on unique knowledge on the adversary's tools, techniques, and tactics, Endgame's centrally managed agent prevents, detects, and responds to advanced adversaries in the earliest stages of the kill chain without prior knowledge. Endgame. Automate the hunt. Welcome back, everyone, to Paul's Security Weekly. This is the security news for this week. And we want to start off. We always start off with my stories. I mean, I have one to start off with. I was going to say, man, I want to start off with one of yours. Oh, let's do it. <coughs> Javelin webcast is coming up. Hold on. I got a quick announcement. Oh. Was that in my I announcements? Thought was, I thought that was a story. My keyboard doesn't work. What's the announcement? Johnny Blaze with the announcement. No, I'm just Can they hear you or is that just in my head? It's in my head. I'm talking. So now it looks like I'm talking to myself. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, so Javelin Networks will be doing uh, a webcast uh, coming up. And let's see. Uh, on overcoming the limitations of privilege, account management is being held on May 24th from noon to 1 p.m. You're going to want to turn tune into this and be turned on by it, I guess, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> Myself and Joff Thire will be presenting about Active Directory limitations and some of the common things that are missing from an Active Directory environment in terms of security, which is in there by by default or not in there by default mm. security is not in there by by default is really what we're saying javelin networks will talk about privilege management and some of the shortcomings that you might run into in privilege management and trying to protect your active directory environment it's going to be awesome it's going to be awesome you're going to want to tune into this webcast so larry you've got stories Oh, yeah, I've got stories. You've got uh, stories, and, and man. You know I, I want to hear one of your stories. You had... Um, like that one time you kicked your BlackBerry across the room at DEF CON. Yeah, drop kicked, actually. Drop kicked. Um, I think the big one that uh, I had that I think I it wasn't, wasn't the only one... Blackberries were, like, gigantic. So, you could have taken someone out with that. Could have hurt him big mm. time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my story, Jeff also had... See how I do that? Uh, Jeff also had the same story <laughs> about uh, PGP uh, because this was a gigantic story. 
and not at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, as, as I put it, uh, it was funny. I was conversing with a customer. I sent them a, a PGP signed email, and they immediately responded back, Oh, my God, you're using PGP? That's not secure. It's not secure anymore. That's it. And I'm like, yeah. Well, I- no, did you, re- did you actually read the article? Because it's a lot of fun. Well, I woke up that morning to a tweet from Miko Hipponen saying, ooh, PGP broken bad. This this looks really bad. So I went off and read the article, and I'm like, okay, yeah. it's not that bad. It's yeah. really, I P- mean, PGP, it is PGP. PGP is perfectly fine. The mathematics behind it is still all work. But, yeah, it's not so much PGP as it is the mail client's yep. implementation. Yeah, yep. exactly. It's about the implementation well, of said product. And... And the the reason I wanted to talk about this was for that very reason. Most cryptography is not technically broken. Right. You find weaknesses in the implementations or you wait for them to decrypt it and you steal it. Or you steal or you purchase the keys. I Jason, mean, going back to the DOD days and espionage back when I was working, you know, in the 80s, famous espionage cases, but it was just, you know, spies stealing keys and, and selling them to the bad guys. Jason, we talked about this in Hack Naked News. Uh, for our listeners, do you want to just, like, distill it down, uh, some of the details we talked about quickly? Yeah, I mean, um, there were a couple of things here that, that went on with this. Um, the first is that the person who's running, receiving the email, basically, they've messed up the configuration of their their PGP client or add-on in their mail client. Mm-hmm. You know, they they have it set to decrypt automatically. And the message arrives, you got the keys plugged into your add-on, and it decrypts on the fly. And <clears throat> you know, if I'm gonna go to the extra lengths of PGP encrypting things. I don't think um, it's that big a deal for me to type in a password when I happen to get one of these messages. Now, Jason, there's different options because you can set it so that you just enter your password once. And it caches it for a period of time? For a period period of time, time. right? So you can adjust that time, and that's just like the level of annoyance you're willing to deal with, really. Yeah. Yeah. And then the follow-up piece was it they had it configured, their mail client, to pull down remote content automatically. Yep. And... And, and then the your mail client then tries. Basically, what happens is they uh, um, they have some boundaries marked in the message, and it's, you know before you get to the PGP block, it has a URL that opens up, and they don't close it off all the way. They close it afterwards with the double quote angle bracket, right? And when you're when you decrypt it, your mail client tries to fetch this image link. And includes all of that text as part of the URL, and that's when the attacker gets a hold of it. They also said, though, that the attacker had to have access to your network, the ability to intercept and modify traffic as it went by on the fly. So, I mean, you, <laughs> there was a lot of things here going on with this that you were already screwed on your network until you had your mail client the, set up the, wrong. The, the other one, if I remember correctly, uh, hearing what, that it also required that you had uh, HTML-enabled email. Yes. yes. Correct. Correct. Uh, like... No. <laughs> yeah, that's that dynamic no. fetching of content. Yeah. Right well, there. and also what? my mail no. client doesn't load images by default. Yep. Unless yep. unless I trust certain uh, senders for yep. that. Yep. Definitely yep. not Larry. No, Definitely no. Not. It required it required a lot of levels of failure the way yes. I read it. And when I first saw it, it was like the headline of PGP big problem. And then, uh, like you said, I yep. went no. back and looked at it, not and I really. went, eh, not really. It's it's like a if if you failed this far. Yeah, you might as well go all the way. If you're dumb and use PGP, then yes. Yeah, 
But what does the attack look like? Do I have to be exchanging encrypted messages with someone or just able to inject content into their email? Yes. This isn't like uh, a I phishing think, thing, I think right? that was the thing, Jason, was you have to be able to inject content into those emails that are encrypted so that you can then decrypt them. Yeah. Right. You had, like, to ha you had to have plain, t it's like a plain text attack. You had to have, you had to be able to push things in there that were going to be encrypted so you could crack the encryption on the back end. Yeah. Right. So I have to send yeah. Larry. So, I mean, it, it was a massive failure kind of problem. I mean, it's almost like a physical access yeah. failure. So you you had to have all this access. You had to be able to push fake email. It was on and on and on. So it I was, have to it send was, Larry an email. Larry would have to respond and encrypt it, and then my content. In, absolutely. Yeah, and, not, and not only that, someone would have to be in the middle of that to be able to interject right. content to download right. that. Because if we're communicating, content. likely we're encrypting each other's emails. Yeah. Right. But we're, we, we they had to, to be able, keys they so had to, be able to get yeah. to those packets and mod them. So it, it's, right. it's a so they massive could, so they attack. Could, so they could insert the download for a third-party client, right. which would then do the, the the attack, as Jason described, to send it to a third party. And, I got you. Know, you. Well, yeah, so that really is even less of a deal it's than very I esoteric. originally thought, yeah. <laughs> now that we talk about it more yeah. in depth. And Jason, you had a comment in there somewhere? I don't know. I lost it. You've <laughs> <laughs> uh, hanging out with me too much, Jason. Uh, I lost salad my train of thought earlier before the show. But salad shooter. Salad shooter. So what was I going to say? Oh, mail clients are updating <laughs> so that you can get past this flaw, which really sounds like it's not that huge. Yep. It was one of those of stories deal. you wake up to. It's like, oh, my God, this guy is fault. Nope. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. Carry on. Yep. Did you guys read this uh, article about uh, don't roll the dice when prioritizing vulnerabilities? I did not. This reeks to me like a, a sponsored post from Kenna in this other company <sighs> that I can't pronounce. Um, what's interest? There's a couple of interesting things, uh, and I think Jeff will probably have something to chime in as we both worked for a vulnerability management company for quite some time. Um, so it, it's talking about basically if an organization... Uh, miraculously fixes 98% of the flaws in their environment. Those 2% could be wrong. One of the things that it is a proponent of is fixing the vulnerabilities that have an associated exploit with them in addition to potentially relying on CVSS scoring mm -hmm. to do that, which both of those things I pretty much... I, well, exploits are one thing, but CVSS scores certainly, yeah. certainly not. I mean, it's a guide... Right. But C what C happens CV is CVSS is a is a group that d defines the rating for those vulnerabilities, but doesn't have any context around your business. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, yes and no, because I think you guys are talking, and I might speak technically inaccurately here, but CVSS version is a two that's currently out there. But when Paul and I were at Tenable, they were they were rolling out uh, a version three yeah. that did have a lot more context built into it. It's just because there's so much context built into it, it's really hard to implement in a in a scan engine that's mm -hmm. designed to be automated and run efficiently and things like that. So yes and no on the CVSS scoring. The yeah. version three, I think, does do uh, what what you're looking for. But but, but, but so uh, I, so Ron Kula told me, and he was Ron and I were actually just chatting on Enterprise Security Week. Weekly. Um, and this reminds me of something Ron said kind of early on when I was looking at the vulnerabilities, taking into account CVSS scoring, looking at how we did that at Tenable and, and what it meant for our customers. And he said, you know, Paul, like one of the things that's kind of weird is that like, what if you had the scenario where as an organization, you said, 
I'm going to fix everything that's a CVSS score of 7.0 and greater. Well, what an organization said, organization said, well, you know, this has a 7.0, like maybe that could be a 6.9. Like, can you make that a 6.9 so that we don't have to fix? Like, yeah. there's stuff like that that could come about. And it, it kind of begs the question, if you're basing your remediation on this external scoring system, even though, as Jeff says, I agree, version 3 was much better and taking into account other factors than like just the vulnerability itself, if you've got this system that's based on this like basically an arbitrary number at the end of the day, mm-hmm. because where does this vulnerability exist is it in a system that doesn't have access to sensitive data and is on the outside of my network and there's these other compensating controls mm-hmm. such as firewalls and network monitoring and uh and knack maybe and and so what is my score for that vulnerability like how does that adjust my own well, internal I, I, score i think that's a place where you have to start on that which is where you need your own scoring system for that yes. i mean there's nothing wrong with this giving you a baseline and saying right. this is a huge threat but right. then you need to you need to cash that into your model of vulnerability management because you can't just say at seven we fix it. Right. You have to bring it into your context mm-hmm. and say we this is a system that's in Dr. Zhang's lab and nobody can get to it unless they break in on wires hanging from the ceiling. Yep. Okay, that I don't care if it's a nine. It's no, not really a huge threat at yep. that point. And I'm not we saying don't fix it. You it, should fix is, it eventually. Is Matt, is Matt still in the studio? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. He's right here. Somebody somebody plug his ears a minute. Okay. You didn't hear that. Don't listen. Matt was never here. No, Matt. That really means but, you want to listen to this. All right, all right, one, all right. of, one of the hugely frustrating things about our industry is this overemphasis, in my opinion, on, on the vulnerability. And what you're describing, Doug, is what's needed, unfortunately, is what most organizations don't want to do. They want something simple. They want something automated. They want that arbitrary number that tells them they have to do something or not and yes they want to game the system so that they can drop it by a tenth of a point so they don't have to do anything um so a a little bit of a tease if anybody's going to circle CityCon, i'm giving a talk there and one of the things i want to talk about as part of a conversation is uh maybe maybe we're paying too much attention to the vulnerabilities maybe we need to be looking at other things and and not 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 do away with vulnerabilities but in the in the in the in the idea of a risk equation where vulnerabilities are a variable and this whole industry has been built on trying to drive down vulnerabilities to drive down your risk maybe we should consider that vulnerability a constant and look at some other elements of the risk equation i i agree with that now where it can actually be useful in my opinion is uh, Rapid7 actually introduced uh, in their sponsor, but uh, they introduced this feature, which I thought was really cool. And that is, you can say, if there uh, is a vulnerability that is downloaded into my vulnerability scanner that is of a CVSS score, you can define this rule, of Mm a 9.0 or greater, you know what? Automatically scan my environment and then tell me, alert me of any instances of this vulnerability. I think in the kind of opposite usage of it, like, tell me about the real, like, if it's a CVSS score of like a 9.5 or maybe a 9.2 or above, Mm -hmm. even though I might have environmental controls, like, if it's ranking that high in CVSS, it's likely something 
I gotta pay attention well, to. I'm not yeah. saying you're gonna drop but everything look, and look fix at it, it like this. but it might be something I gotta pay attention well, to. Look at it like this in the physical world. If you're bringing a, a 50 gallon drums into your building, I'm so scared right now, Doug, because I know the way you like to make analogies and examples. And we're starting off with a 55 gallon drum or something. I am so scared right wow. now. Let's it's minty, ribs it. <laughs> <laughs> for your protection or your pleasure. Uh, no, but I mean, if you're bringing these 55-gallon drums in, and some of them are marked passion, passion and some of them are personal. marked flammable, and some of them are marked radioactive, you know, I mean, all that's a context. You can still bring flammable drums into your building. Sure. That, that doesn't mean everybody's going to die. It just means you need to know you have flammable drums in the building. If you're bringing radioactive drums, it doesn't mean everybody's going to die. It just means you need to know you have radioactive drums and you need to handle accordingly. So you have to segment and, and manage it. So that's, to me, what a that's CBS That's actually a really, really sane analogy. And, and usually and it, your analogies are, like, insane. And, but, but That's if you bring, actually a really but, good one. But yeah. if you bring 55-gallon drums of lube in, it clearly means everybody's going to die. And, <laughs> no. no. But they'll like it when it happens. Larry, that means party time. That's what that means. Well, like right. I said, everybody's going to die. Silky, soft, smooth skin. Now, silky, soft, radioactive lube. <laughs> no, that that <laughs> could be a problem. That's a little more Get dangerous. those barrels mixed up. <laughs> could be a big problem. Because whatever you do, do not spill the lube at the loading dock because infinite number of trucks will be able to fit in at that point. <laughs> you might spill the radioactive material. So I have material. A, another point on the vulnerability thing, getting <clears throat> not to digress from the lube. Um <laughs> It, and you know, and all, uh, this this goes back to PCI, where PCI says you know your vulnerability management program, you should be monitoring uh, various resources. You should have various inputs for discovering vulnerabilities. Now, in the old days, that was things like bug track and firewall mailing list and and you know other mailing lists and bulletin boards, where people would write about you know vulnerabilities that were discovered. And, and this is not necessarily the fault of the industry or the fault of scan vendors, but I think the whole industry, every organization now, their primary source of vulnerability discovery other than Patch Tuesday is the updates they get on their vulnerability scan engines. Yeah. And okay. while I think that's probably pragmatic, I, there's 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 part of me that thinks that we've all lost at this point and we should go home. <laughs> but I, I, getting back to the uh, the feature I was speaking of before, if you have a vulnerability management solution and there is a new vulnerability that's released, that's recognized, that has a CVE number <laughs> and also has been calculated a CVSS score of a 9.0 or above, it's likely that every vulnerability scanner on the planet is developing a, mm -hmm. a, a check yeah. for that. It's right? all over that Now, check. Jeff, I completely agree. When we talk about, in general, CVEs that are being issued and even non-CVEs that have a vulnerability check, it can be hit or miss depending on what solution you have. Right. I can say that with some level of authority because I've actually looked at that and, and tested that uh, to see what the coverage is like. And that's, and that's very subjective. I don't want to make it seem like whoever's got more checks or it is better or whatever, like there's a lot of other factors that play in. But if there's a really critical vulnerability, I think that if your vulnerability scanner doesn't have it, that you probably need a new vulnerability scanner. Again, even defining a critical vulnerability without context is, is hard to do. Yep. Well, in this case, it would be something of CVSS score of nine. If it, and I think that's twofold, Jeff, and I, I kind of, I know where you're going, and I, and I like it, actually, because if it's high profile enough to deserve a CVE, 
and like the n dirty, not so secret of the industry. Again, Matt, close your ears. Yeah. Not all <laughs> vulnerabilities get a CVE number, right? right. So there's mm -hmm. like an entire class that doesn't. So let's talk about the class that does. Of the class that does, there's only a certain amount that get a high enough score to rank 9.0 or above. Mm -hmm. Those are so high profile, you're going to want to pay attention to those. Now, if you don't have that software, then you're good, right? But if your scanner's not testing to see if you have that software, because if anyone can raise their hand today and say, if there's a vulnerability release for any kind of software, like I know if I have that or not, no way. Like there's at least always 1% that you're not sure of at any given day. And that drives yeah. IT security teams and, nuts. And now I'm going to give you the... But Paul, yeah. but no, Paul the, yes, Jeff. what gets us the highest scores in CVEs, and I don't know the exact formulas, but I think most of the time, you know, or what ranks a 10 is something that uh, very often, if not all the time, you know, there, there's obviously an exploit known for, for it. It's in the wild and it's you know remotely ex it's remotely exploitable which usually means over the internet so again the context is if you've got a system that's four or five six layers deep in your network not that that exists anymore you know you the context is even that nine or ten may not have to be mitigated as quickly as you think it does just by virtue of you know it's buried in a server that's seven layers away from the internet and only one guy has access to it and he hasn't logged on to it for three years or, you know whatever the scenario is and and i am going to give you one crazy analogy but this is the multiplier effect okay. so so this is where you've got the barrels you, you haven't given me a chance to give jeff a rebuttal but that's okay. well go ahead rebut jeff <laughs> no no rebut that but you do want to fix those vulnerabilities and i'm not saying that if it's a nine if it's a 10.0 jeff right and mm -hmm. i want to know about even if it's three layers deep and one person has access to it i still want to know about that because i might yeah. not fix it i might not drop everything today to fix that vulnerability however i might say yes it's a 10.0 and if this was on the internet I'd have to drop everything I'm doing today mm -hmm. and fix it. If it's mm -hmm. deep within my network and there's, and there's compensating controls, I want to be able to know about that to say and talk about it with my management mm -hmm. to say, I think we should our fix risk this level, the end of the week. yeah, we sh end of the week, end of the month, 30 days, 60 days, whatever it is, yeah. be able to attach some type of remediation plan to that vulnerability. Whereas maybe everything 5.0 and less. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go out of my way to even attach a remediation plan to it today. I may lump all those together and attach a generic remediation plan that might be three months or six months out. But I still want to address those vulnerabilities because mm -hmm. we know low-level vulnerabilities can pool together and be high. Yep. But th that's anyway. What you've just described is a risk ranking score that's based on... Yep you know environmental yes uh you know you know whatever the whatever the scenario is sure. any any factor you know you've done it in your head perhaps mm -hmm. but, but you are doing that risk ranking that uh pci by the way allows you to do internally uh but few companies know about it because most people just take the cve score or whatever the score is that their particular scan engine produces and they they jump through hoops based on that and i know that we've had reports i know we've talked about or i've seen reports where you know like 98 percent of the vulnerabilities that make it to the cve list are like 7.2 and above or something like that you know they're always just high enough that everybody's got to you know do the fire drills to fix them right or at least create a plan to fix them yep. so yeah. but i jeff do and I come jeff and i have had a, a healthy discussion yeah, yes, get a thank fire you, jeff. drill to create the plan to fix them 
Right. So back Good to point, loop Larry. duck. Yes. But I do want to mention right. the multiplier effect, which is which is where this is now lube by itself is harmless. Sand by itself is harmless. Oh shit. But when you have lube oh, and no. sand you at the same there. time. <laughs> And that analogy is so I, I had painful. to come up with one for Disgustingly you. Disgustingly describes the situation that I alluded to earlier. <laughs> I knew I would get there. This is, but that, that's these the, are the types of analogies that Doug is known for. That's right. He is famous renowned for these types of and, analogies. And let, me, and let me tell you, it doesn't take much sand to spoil a whole gap. You're damn right. And, but that's I mean, where you need the pen test to actually combine the lube and yes, the sand and, and a, absolutely. attempt the exploitation. And, and that's why I, what my caution... <laughs> the, the sandy that made lube, so much sense, Jeff. That was, <laughs> the sandy lube conjecture that is, is to caution you once I, again about someone getting... Someone right now is registering <laughs> sandylube.com and it's going to be sandy lube penetration test, sandy lube security. That is my new consulting company you can come to sandy loop security and we will penetration test but but that was I, I talked about that at rsa about about the sandy danger. loop yeah no they wouldn't let me say that so i just said daisies and flowers or something but i mean i i, I really want to caution you once again about this discreet thing the where sandy you, loop where you get down to the level of saying it's just uh, uh it's i think we found a name for this episode <laughs> That is Sandy Loop Security. My work here is done. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Doug. But, but yeah, so that discrete model of just saying, here's a score, I'm done, I fix it. Here's a score, I'm done, fix it, is not going to solve all your problems because there is. that's where, Jeff said, that's where the pen and test you know, comes in. The best remediation programs I've seen actually are custom software that takes into account multiple uh, variables yeah. that play into a risk factor. And you'll learn about the like standard factors for risk and all that stuff, Matt. But... When you look at it pragmatically, it, it's a lot of different factors: remediation, right. sensitivity of the data, location in the in, in the network, how many people are using it, how business critical is it. Which sensitivity and business criticality are two different things, and and they take all of that in, in, into consideration. One thing that I think is still somewhat lacking is when Larry comes in as a pen tester and goes, mm -hmm. you get that vulnerability over there and this one over here and this one over here. And, you know, all three of those things are pieces to my puzzle and I can use all three of those to, and now I'm domain admin. And you're like, whoa, yep. hold on. How did that, how did you escalate from there? And it's that Sandy so Lou. Here's, Sandy here's Lube three premise. fives right. that added up to a fifteen, and and that was was what I was talking. That's that Sandy Lube, and you're you're yep. there. So five times three <laughs> carry the one. So That's where okay. should I redirect <laughs> SandyLube.com? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I just bought it. <laughs> Coats. <Goat sucks. laughs> SandyLubeDefensiveIntuition.com. Hold on, <laughs> SandyLube.com was available. Yes, no one had registered SandyLube. Like I, that is just amazing to me that no one had registered. That I wasn't domain as fast until, as Larry until on my just phone, now was, on the show. I, now, the, now the, Thursday, the, May seventeenth. The, the only at, it, it, like seven fifty. I was like eight keystrokes behind it. The, so the, I was the trying only, to. I the think only one that Sandy might be, Lube should become wait, a website. The, and how many strokes behind him were you? <laughs> the only the only one that might be better, Doug, and I'll leave this one to you, sandylube.io. Aw. <laughs> it's all yours, buddy. <laughs> Sandylube.it. Okay. Yeah. This is why you need to watch the show live. 
because every once in a while we've got these fabulous domain registration <laughs> and it's a race and if you're watching live I guess it depends on the delay Larry's got the advantage because there's no delay and I gotta fucking start selling domains because that's like 97 yeah that's well that's your retirement plan I feel oh, like yeah you should have seen what domains. my accountant said about last year after I started being in the shows I started registering domains and I, I think I racked up like $1200 worth last year or something <laughs> like that yeah, it's, a, it's about my GoDaddy I, just, yeah. my I don't Go know Larry year. like what the market value is for spear fishing for poop sharks <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll help you with that. I'll, I'll, I'll help you. I'll I also don't know what the the market for my computer, uh, my other computer is your dot computer, <laughs> and Ron Jeremy's dot Wang. Uh, I don't. I want to see you use these in your phishing campaigns and see how many people click on <laughs> your computer is my other dot computer. Uh, change my password dot org is a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> do you have that one? I do. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Hey guys, unfortunately I need to drop off. It's been fun. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Bye, Jeff. Bye, Jeff. Uh, sorry I wasn't in studio tonight. I'm missing all the fun. Yes, <laughs> you are. Till next time. See you, Jeff. <clears throat> oh, boy. Larry, other... Speaking uh, of Sandy Lube. Stories. <laughs> <laughs> other stories. What do we got? I'm asking you for your... your oh. You had stories in there. I did. I did. Uh, one that I... that uh, So we stood up a... Um, uh, channel for Sans Sex Six Seventeen alumni um, when we were in Austin, and one of the students, credit where credits due, um, uh, sent over a story that I thought was just fascinating. Uh, it was using um, a, a particular GPS-based chipset that does all of the GPS technologies, whether it be uh, US GPS, GLONASS. What is it? It's Baidu in China, like the four GPS technologies and taking all of those and combining them to one. social networking. Uh, there's China. one there. E either way, um, I'll, I'll look at the story because it lists it. Um, but taking all of the data from all four of those, with all four of those technologies, you can get down to centimeter accuracy, combining all of the data together. Um, and uh, uh, so, uh, nope, it's uh, GPS, GLONASS, Galileo, Beidou, IRNS, and QZSS. So six technologies for GPS longitude, latitude, and location. You compare all of those together, and when the doesn't fit, somebody's doing GPS jamming. Ooh, and what they did was they tied that. Collective. Ooh. What, yeah. they, what, they, what they did was they tied that to augmented reality. Oh hell! Oh good God! <laughs> like, yeah. like they they intentionally stood up a GPS jammer, uh, you know, the location-based jammer in Moscow, and they put on the virtual of reality augmented reality goggles. So you could walk around, and then all of a sudden you'd see this green blob where the GPS jamming was happening. So you could tell where this stuff was happening. Wow. It kind of reminds me of X-Men when yeah. the professor puts on the headset and he can like see all the mutants and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. And I thought like... <gasps> they're well, that's what they're looking is mutants. But like, basically. Even better. But in the near future, they're fundraising over crowd supply. Crowd supply. To build the product. Is that a crowd dot supply? Is that a domain of yours? No, oh. <laughs> crowd supply is like a Kickstarter. Yeah. Okay. So type thing. Uh, so uh, the really successful software-defined radio, the Lime SDRs, of mm -hmm. their varieties, they went through crowd supply. It's effectively Kickstarter for technology products. 
Um, but they're actually looking to build one of these uh, GPS jamming detection augmented reality devices. That's really cool. Like, that is super awesome. Whoa. It kind of reminds me of the cave. Do, did you know about the cave at Brown University? No. The, uh, listeners that have been listening for a long time probably know I work for Brown University. And they had a cave, which is like their virtual rea- reality uh, computing system. Mm-hmm. And, but now it sounds like you can build that, like these VR goggles are just building that like on your smartphone. Back in the day, I guess I'm down. I'm old now. Yeah. We, HoloLens. It was a 35-pound <laughs> helmet. Yeah. Where, where's, right? where's Russell with his HoloLens? Yeah. HoloLens, that's another one. Yeah. yeah, Russell's got all that kind you of stuff. used to have like a room full of supercomputers to generate yeah. that virtual reality. Now you can do it in your smartphone. Yeah, you just kinda, hold it up with a camera and you can see, you know, you can see through it. So yeah. It went through multiple goggles. iterations. I'm sure they're doing way more advanced things you can do in your smartphone today, but that was, you know, one of the early examples yeah. of that, so... That is really cool. I like that. So, yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Uh, what else is fascinating, Larry? Well, let's see. Uh, uh, the the one that I actually thought was uh, are pretty damn cool as well. Turkeys hacking them. people? Um, yeah, I didn't think that was really cool. <laughs> That's that not sucks, cool. But let's talk about that one. Well, it says a new report details a widespread campaign targeting several Turkish activists and protesters using the infamous government malware made by Finn Fisher. Yeah, which is like, that's like, that's getting long in the tooth, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like John Strand did a webcast on Finn Fisher like seven years ago. ago. Oh, two years. Maybe it was two years ago, but... Uh, yeah. But still, one, one, it's kind of sad, but just a reminder that, you know, in, in... there are other countries out there in the world that don't uh, that they hate enjoy. freedom. Why do you well, hate that, freedom so much, Larry? Yeah, I don't know. Why do you Why do you hate freedom? <laughs> uh, that's my favorite question to ask it a speaker. Uh, why do you hate freedom there, so much? And Larry's done this to me. I'll be presenting or something. And I'll be like, "Does anyone have any questions?" And Larry will be like, "Why do you hate freedom, freedom so, so much?" much. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because I can, because I'm an asshole. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's good to remember that you know there are company country countries out there that uh, also county countries. Yeah, uh, counties in a country. There as well. are counties and yeah, countries sure. and companies in yeah. countries uh, that also uh, hate freedom uh, or just don't so enjoy much. the same freedoms that we do here in the U.S., um, which is kind of disappointing. Uh, what's interesting is uh, this Wapiti Web Application Vulnerability Scanner. Larry, do you use, uh, or Jason, do you guys use uh, an open source web application vulnerability scanner today? Other than a proxy, like Zap is a really good proxy. Burp is a really good proxy. I think it's free kind of vulnerability scanning capabilities are somewhat limited unless you buy the commercial product, Mm -hmm. which I have no issue with whatsoever. Are you using other like open source web application vulnerability uh, scanners? Of course, NetSparker has been a long-standing sponsor sure. of the Security Weekly Network. I really love their their technology, of course, and all the people there. But um, so we do not use an automated scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, we are typically yeah. using something like Burp or Zap. Um, and there's yeah, in an external assessment, I can totally see that you're not relying yep. on a vulnerability scanner right. anymore. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, so we're typically doing a lot more of that manually. Uh, also for mobile stuff as well, mm-hmm. because the you proxy, proxy. The proxy really right. becomes helpful. Um, but but the folks at NetSparker, given you know when we've talked to Sven, like oh my god, like I'm in awe every time we talk to Sven. Oh, dude, um, he's so smart. And uh, you know, it's one of those things that we probably need to start adding to the toolkit, especially for some of our repeat customers mm-hmm. um, to to. You know, at least get some of the low-hanging fruit initially. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I thought this one was yeah. interesting. It's command line based, um, and it was a pretty easy install uh, via Python. And you'll probably see an mm -hmm. upcoming technical segment because uh, in the age of Docker and containers today, mm -hmm. which Matt, it, you absolutely have to learn Docker and containers. Uh, Docker and in, Kubernetes. Yeah, in your final year in school, however you get that dude, like you have to learn that stuff okay. for sure. Yeah. It's the future. Uh, it is the future. I'll just it, uh, write that down. Yeah. Docker and containers. I'll, I'll sure remind you. you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but what's interesting is... Uh, when you know in previous jobs i've been evaluating technology throughout my whole career right and you know early in my career i'm like i gotta like rack a server i gotta install linux on it mm -hmm. and I, I gotta you know put my application on it and then i can test it and then as time went on i'm like i need this new vm and on top of that vm i'm gonna you know put this application mm -hmm. and then as time went on i'm like oh there's already a vm that's available i'm just gonna download that from the internet and it's already got my applications pre-installed fast forward to today Sure, you can go to the cloud and get VMs as well, right? Mm -hmm. That was another change. Yeah. Like, locally, I can run the VM. Now I can run it in the cloud. But fast forward to today, I'm like, I need a vulnerable web application that I can do testing against. Mm -hmm. When you search for Docker and WavSep, which is uh, Shea Chen's uh, sectummarket.com, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I believe is the website, uh, he wrote a vulnerable web application called WavSep. And I remember configuring that manually. And then I was in my, uh, you know, prepping for various technical segments, and I'm like, I need that. I'm like, I wonder if there's like a Docker instance. Sure enough, there was. Yeah. So it's if you trust the repo, it's big, big, big mm -hmm. if. If mm -hmm. you trust the repo, you can run one Docker command to pull down WavSep. You can run one more Docker command to run that instance. Go to localhost port eighty eighty, and magically it's there. And I'm like, holy crap! Like this, that's awesome for testing stuff. Yep, vulnerable Vir applications or tools. Virtualizing your application as opposed yes, to the entire exactly the yeah. entire stack. So with like two commands, basically, I've got a vulnerable web application running. And in years past, many of us listening to the show and many other hosts here are like, it was a lot more work than that. Uh -huh. Now I'm not saying learning. Make sure you learn the hard way, right? Yeah, but yeah, also yeah. learn like the Docker way. And be like, wow, that's a really easy way yeah. to like get <laughs> an application up. Now right. think now think about this, Paul. Go. Dockerize something that requires Ruby. No, 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 no. <laughs> wait, wait, no, 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 no. This is a good thing. It is a good because thing. Because think yes. about all the Ruby dependencies and Ruby versions and... Oh, and my Python's God. Python's the same way. But oh, and, 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 and so, you know, kind of my, oh, my story G along those G lines is there. Uh, if you're using someone else's Docker repository, that's one thing. If you're... Uh, so I was in this exact same situation. My vulnerable web application, I'm like, oh, I can run two commands and it's up and running. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Now, I have to trust the repository and there's nothing funky going on. When I looked at Wapiti, there was no such... Uh, there was a Docker repository, but it was a very old version of the application. So I decided to run it manually. So then it's like Python virtual environment and all the bullshit that goes along with that to make it work because it wasn't in a Docker container. If I were to take a project that I found on GitHub and say, I want to put that in a Docker container. That's a lot of work today. Yes. And I was commenting with Ron Gula on Enterprise Security Weekly. I'm like, you know, and there are uh, uh, technology that exists that are working on this and probably have it. Take my application and put it in a Docker container without me having to do all that work, like automate that process as much as possible. That's a great startup uh, today. There are, are companies that I believe are working on that. So, uh, Jason. I was just going to add on to that. I, I, 
you know, like you, Paul, I remember setting up vulnerable apps and spending all that time working on it. I just did a webinar, a webcast a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things I was setting up was Juice Shop, OWASP Juice Shop, which is a JavaScript single-page app. And it was literally, you run a few commands, and you're explaining this to the target audience. Here's how you can do this on your own system. You run these four commands or whatever it is, and <clears throat> you're up and running. You've got a vulnerable application, and when you're done, you hit delete, and you're done. Mm -hmm. um, and you see that happening now. Um, I know um, Samurai WTF is moving yep. in that direction. They're mm -hmm. they're dockerizing a lot of those those vulnerable apps that they had to um, deal with Ruby dependencies or P conflicting dependencies between apps and stuff like that. And now it's just inside of a Docker instance and as part of the configuration and installation of Samurai WTF. It's it's literally a few commands and boom, there it is. That app's ready to go and then the next one comes down, the next one. What's so funny it's, it's fabulous. When you download the Security Onion, it's Docker containers running inside the VM or inside of Security Onion, right? It's <laughs> awesome. And so they're moving in that direction where it'll just basically be all Docker. Again, Matt, re-emphasizing, yeah. it's super important, especially in your last year uh, of university to learn that technology because... Yep. You're gonna have it's it's one of those things that I uh, would very much reference the Circle CI blog on Kubernetes, and that's becoming a reality. Right, and, we kind of joked about it. Like there was a time not that long ago when we were like Docker's really not ready for production. Mm -hmm. Kubernetes wasn't really ready Kubernetes, for production, it, but all that has changed. I feel like in the past it's like six, year, six right? Months. Six yeah, months. six months yeah, to a year, a that year, stuff yeah. is, that's changed. Kubernetes has Kubernetes won. went from being this like strange odd thing that was floating around out there to like oh yeah this is a good product to, like <laughs> yeah. very quickly yeah. it's like what last yeah. time you know, I was making fun of this because like you had to do this thing with this thing that right. like some BDSM dude wrote that didn't really work <laughs> like seriously that's what it was all about I'm like oh shit now it's a oh, now it's like mainstream like mm -hmm. shit it's not like, a kink anymore like shit now i gotta learn kubernetes right after i learn ipv6 like yeah oh, god damn <laughs> uh, not really great analogy i think <laughs> no, no i said right after I right learned. after yes that's <clears throat> you okay yeah. uh other stories you want to talk about um richard Baitlick went to splunk i thought that was interesting mm -hmm. if we want to talk i don't know if we've ever really covered like who's going to work for what company Nope. I find it kind of interesting. I'll, I'll, I mean, I leave that, I, I, I leave that I to do. Chris Hoff myself, but I, really, Beaker? Yeah, because he's the one that does the official announcements for on Twitter for who's going to where. Oh, really? Like, the, whatever. Yeah, he's he's made a bunch of those those announcements. I've seen. Yeah, you could start finding out you've been fired on Twitter. That's right. Like, yeah. That's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Or I got a job. Hey, I got a job. I didn't know. Oh until my god, I checked Twitter. <laughs> right. I didn't know this. <laughs> yep. Um, one of the ones that I did have in there that I thought was uh, was well, damn sexy, uh, was detecting the evil password spray with Active Directory mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, in, like and those that. type of environments from Trimark um, with uh, Sean Metcalf. Uh, everything that we've seen Sean release has been just oh, Sean is freaking amazing. To say he's um, awesome is an understatement. But this is this, this is serious. one of, this is one read of Sean things. Metcalf's blog and all of his work. Yeah, yeah. You, sure. you will need that, Matt. Yes. And uh, it's a so one of the things that we do all the time at Pentest is password sprays, and no one can ever detect it. Like you need to be able to detect this type of activity because it's not normal. It's it's not. It's I mean, one person forgetting their password and trying to log in is one thing. When you start touching multiple accounts When you and, touch thousands of accounts and and generate thousands, you know, exponentially thousands yep. of yep. uh password 
or uh, login failures right. that should set off a red yeah. flag. And, and it doesn't, in a lot of, in, in so in most organizations, it doesn't, Larry? Uh, no. I feel like we have a SIM to detect that, but... You do, but you have to configure your SIM properly. Uh, yeah, uh, devil's uh, in the details. Yes. <laughs> so, you ha- one, you have, to, you have to know what Active Directory error messages and logging are generated. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep, you need to turn them which on. Is, you need that's to a know project which, in and of itself, yes. just to know what could be logged yep. and is being and, logged and, that, and how to interpret it. That, in my opinion, is the goal from Sean's blog mm-hmm. entry at Trimark: is that he tells you what messages you need to look for, in which cases, mm-hmm. on which products, and what sub messages you need to look for. For right, example, because if you're, if raw you're, Active Directory versus OWA versus, versus LDAP. LDAP. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So looking at uh, if you're doing against a workstation, if you're doing against a server for SMB, or if you're doing direct queries against LDAP. Yeah, I can see that taking multiple different forms, right? Yep. And they all have different messages. Mm-hmm. It tells you exactly which messages you are and what thresholds you should actually consider. Oh, that's awesome. Like, oh, yes. This this article is worth. The, it's worth its weight in gold. It's worth so its bits in gold. It saves you some reporting time because you're like, uh, hey, God. password spring was successful. That's a finding. Remediation. Link to Sean's blog post. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, he gives you really solid advice. Like, configure your SIM to do this. Or, at a minimum, run this PowerShell script once a week mm-hmm. and see what happened. Like, oh, that's not good. Why did someone try to get passwords for KRBTGT like thousand times last week? Right. Yeah. That's the yep. pro. That's the problem with Active Directory log parsing in general. Is it just so? What is it trying mean? to sort it out? What does it mean? What do I need to look at? Because otherwise, you're looking at ten thousand messages. I mean, even on my dinky Active Directory system, I'm just like it, it can be overwhelming. So yeah, that's a very good place to start looking. Yep. Is how do I parse this out and see Agreed. these obvious problems? Agreed. Sean, Sean's a badass. I agree with that. Um, 25% of businesses are targeted with crypto jacking in the cloud. Huh. Which we kind of talked about when I... Uh, was it last week when I talked about uh, someone uploading rogue Docker containers <laughs> and doing DDoS? Also, that could very well be yeah. crypto jacking. I, think, I don't think that's really news, right? Like, that's just... A it's trend a today, and we're all talking insecurity yeah, about and, how, and I, and I hate like, are people not going to pay attention to security because they're not launching a DDoS, which mm-hmm. even if you're not trying to detect it, your upstream provider or your hosting provider is going to detect it and let you know so th- that, like, you're getting notified. Uh, if someone is doing something else that's more obvious on your systems, like ransomware, you're going to know, like, you don't even need your detection if it's really poor is, oh, I detected it because someone sent me an email after they encrypted all my systems yeah. and demanded a ransom, so therefore I, air quotes, detected it. Yeah. With crypto jacking, like, it, yeah, my, you might performance-wise notice, if you're monitoring closely for performance, mm-hmm. you might notice that. Why, why is Disk.io going crazy on this thing? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're not monitoring for that, it flies under the radar, mm-hmm. and if they complete whatever task they're doing, you may never know that that happened. Right. Right. Yeah, I was thinking the other day about stealth Docker objects. Like, could you create, like, these just very stealthy Docker objects? That I mean, this was, this was something that was in the theory of object-oriented programming a long time ago. It was about APIs and, and objects that were rogue that could you make them so that they're just sort of hidden? Can Could you build? And this is very, very not 
solid thoughts I was having. It was just like something I was thinking about was like, could you build these like very stealthy Docker objects that were just sort of floating around out there in the yeah, it's hard uh, in everything I've observed uh, so far, Doug. It's hard to hide okay. uh, a running instance of a container on your system. Uh, although I, I I could be wrong, there are people that certainly understand Docker technology way deeper than I do. But uh, it it'd be pretty hard to hide that image. Although it's an interesting strategy if you could in uh, run a uh, a container on someone's Docker instance. How would you hide that from there? Well, the way console. they were hiding objects was just by scattering them around in memory, and instead of making them nice contiguous segments, they were mm-hmm. scattering tiny pieces of them such that it was hard. I mean, you could, if you knew what the chain was, you could find it. But so I, w- I was just thinking about it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any evidence, or I hadn't really thought about it at sure. the like practical way. I was just like, this is one of those weird things you're sitting around, like watching your cats play and thinking about. Can you build a stealth Docker object that's built up of all these little <laughs> tiny pieces? And yeah, what's interesting is. Uh, when I was talking with Ron Gula, he mentioned a technology that uh, folks are working on that um, when you think about how Docker works, right, you've got the uh, operating system, which is Linux. You've got the kernel, right, right. Uh, which is part of that, obviously. And then you've got Docker, which runs on top of the kernel, right. and then containers, which run on top of Docker. And so the one of the weak points in that system is the kernel. If as an attacker... I can take control of the kernel, then I can basically control any container that is running. I can also inject my own containers and control those as well because I control the kernel. Mm-hmm. There's technology that's working on making a micro kernel for each container. So rather than running on the same kernel, I just give the container a, a slimmed down kernel that's only geared to what, what yep. that container is doing. I think that's really cool. Mainframe. Uh, is that so really is that how uh, a, a borrowed from a mainframe technology i can totally yeah. see that i mean it all is i mean all the container stuff is really just mainframe ideas where you you, you containerize things and they call it a shell so you well, could build what's interesting is when i presented at source boston last week someone said well containers are really just like a a cheroot with lots of options yeah <laughs> no they are like, and okay. i'm like dude i get that and then, like, i mean that's, that's, that's a, totally that's a cool. mainframe shell yeah. technology where right. i'm just allocating you know and i can define kernel structures yep. in those shells so that you have your own unique environment on that particular mainframe and it's it's completely contained mm-hmm. so you can't you 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 know and that was where a lot of early hacking stuff was going was how do i break out of a shell right. how do i get out of the shell out of and the all of a sudden i'm VM, in this yeah. like wide world of i can control the big kernel so I've how do these. i break out of the matrix yep exactly and that's no so it really is just an so what you area. need to do is put uh, a container inside of a container inside of a kernel inside of a kernel hells yeah which is that matrix theory that says why neo in the matrix reloaded is able to affect the sentinels is because he's actually not in the real world he's in, in another kernel. matrix mm-hmm. like there's uh, the matrix and there's a matrix inside he's the in a, matrix he's in a so meta matrix out of the matrix he was in another he's matrix, in a so meta so matrix. It's, like a, it's a cross between the matrix and inception yes i was yes yes, yes. it's a meta matrix a meta matrix mm-hmm. in Ma- a 55 gallon drum of lube matrixception and a, just a little bit of sand <laughs> a little bit Wait, just it goes a long way a little bit goes a long way <laughs> Oh. But it keeps things interesting. So, speaking a little of sand going a long way, UPNP, Paul. Oh, oh. God. Just make it die. It, there's just... <laughs> uh, 
when we were running the book, Larry, we started oh looking God. at UPMP, and we were like, "Good Lord!" Like we don't have a, we, ain't nobody who, got time for this. <laughs> who developed this protocol <sighs> with like absolutely no security in mind ever? An engineer. Like, uh, huh. There was no <laughs> controls. Like even if you weren't security minded, to design a protocol that was so trusting of other systems, <sighs> without with like complete disregard, like that. That wouldn't even make like bypass protocol. Yeah, right. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it just like defies all. Even if you were designing a protocol that you said I'm not going to like like know about security, like you wouldn't design it in this way because of functionality. Like to design a reliable protocol that just accepts input and in, 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 does stuff from anyone without validation. Just, hey, so I've got this I problem. I I can't get in and out of this firewall. So I'll create a protocol that lets anyone submit rules to change the firewall. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, just let me out. What could go wrong? It's like I, there's, I created a prison. And guess what? Everyone in the prison has the keys to all of the cells and can get out anytime well, they no, want. They, no, they don't have the keys, but they just need to go to the guard and ask for them. That's true. And, and, the, gar- like, yeah, and the guard sure. says, yeah, whatever. Go ahead. That's, that's the engineering solution to problems, though. Because engi- just- engineers, engineers not, to, not sorry engineers, but engineers solve problems. They don't solve them necessarily in some specific context. It's like, I need to get from here to there. I build a bridge. I, I'm not going to worry about the bridge is going to cause all these other problems. I'm just worried about I need to cross this river. I'm going to build a bridge. And, 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 the, and, and the bridge that we've decided to do is a dam. Absolutely, but I mean, because of that, I mean, security was never a concept that entered a lot of people's minds. I was talking to somebody about that yesterday, about pacemakers. And I was talking about, you know, when people engineered pacemakers to be embedded in you that were controllable, like why Wi-Fi? Like in Homeland? Yeah, sure. That's I mean, a TV but, show, but that, but that person who designed that probably couldn't quite conceptualize that someone would intentionally antagonize mm-hmm. That device, they just—that's just not something that entered their. their it goes head. back to this uh, pivotal moment for me in the show, in my understanding of what then was embedded security and today is IoT security, and that is Mike Murray when he came on and he said, "I, I think of it like a scalpel," and I extended that into a hammer, right? And so mm-hmm. my analogy, and I give Mike Murray full credit for this, right, is that if I design a hammer, what am I going to design the hammer to do, Doug? Hmm. Doug, it's a simple question. What does a hammer do? Pounds nails. Pounds nails. Pounds nails. What else does a hammer do? I was trying to think of a funny thing. The claw on the hammer. Pulls nails. Extracts nails. Yeah. So I can design a hammer that does that really, really well. Mm -hmm. What am I not designing for when I design a hammer? To pound skulls. If Larry takes the hammer and starts beating people in the kneecaps... How do I design my hammer to... Oh, wait. I'm not considering that with designing a hammer because I want my hammer to pound nails and extract nails. I'm not Mm -hmm. thinking, how do I design my hammer to prevent someone like Larry picking it up and going... And that that traditional engineering model was, I need to pound a nail. Here's a hammer. We're not going to sit down and spend six weeks thinking about all the other bad things we could do with this. You're spending six weeks thinking about how is the hammer weighted? What metals do we use? How large is the diameter of the head of the nail so that I... and can I, not I, be too I, big, but not too small. And I, exactly. see this, and I see this as a hammer and nail into wood, tick, 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 and then turn th- six inches to the left, tick, 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 
And drop your laptop. <laughs> Hammer said nails into Paul's kneecap. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Does it matter? Right. Like that's no. the use case is it hammers it's a, nails. It's no, I like badass it. at hammering nails. That's a really good. And you're spending for that. like another four weeks going. Okay. How do we design the claw? Like how big are the claws? Yep. How wide is the gap between mm-hmm. the claws? Mm-hmm. What's the angle of the claws so that I can most efficiently pull that nail? Out of, of the right. wood, and, right? And I'm not do, thinking that, about as a, what if someone turns it around and, and smacks it, that claw? Oh, can I pop an eyeball with that baby? But not yeah. even changing the motion. What happens when I stick it in Paul's mouth and I clop like that? Like, <laughs> oh, exactly, yeah. right? I'm like, oh, that's and I mean, I think that's a that's a really great analogy of what I knew you love that analogy. Computer you're science. all about analogies, Doug. Computer you're the, science. You're one of the best at analogies. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Computer science and engineering. That, that's such a good analogy for that because that was. The way that it was thought about was, I want to build. I want to solve a problem. I'm going to solve that problem. I'm not worried about people are going to take this and use it for other other right. means. What, and they're going what, to do things with that, it. What's that joke about the the U.S. and the Russian space programs? Uh, the 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 U.S. said uh, that when we got to anti gravity with, without gravity and we needed to be able to write, uh, our pens wouldn't write because the ink there was no gravity to pull yeah. the ink down. Uh, so they developed the ballpoint pen at the cost of millions and millions of dollars. And the Russians use a damn pencil, <laughs> <laughs> right? There that's you go. the joke, anyways. I don't know if that's true, but there you go. That, there's something in there about the Apple pencil. <laughs> Some joke in there about the. <laughs> It's the eye pin. Well, I, I, it's really cool. Anyway, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, there's lots of issues with it. But the thing about the Apple Pencil is that you know it is sensitive to the pressure, mm-hmm. like how much pressure you're putting on the pencil will determine what your line looks like. The angle that you hold the pencil will also change the way that you draw. However, the pencil play, pairs to your device via Bluetooth. Did Apple take into consideration what if a malicious actor takes control of the pencil? And you, know, and you know what I can use for that? Paper and a calligraphy pen. Yes, yes, you can. Say it. Go for the Russian approach. And you don't have to enable Bluetooth to use your calligraphy pencil. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, More? St- Jason. Jason. Uh, uh, your story number two, the fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> it's not befuddling, so I, it's befuckering. <laughs> I had the same reaction, puzzled as I'm looking at this. Is the web moves towards HTTPS by default? And I went, wait, what? Um, Google has to remove the secure indicator. And you're like, wait, what are you guys talking about? So basically is Google is changing the model in Chrome. And instead of marking uh, a site as secure, when it uses HTTPS, they're going to assume that... Everybody's using HTTPS. What they're going to do now is mark any site that doesn't use it as not secure. Mm. Mm. So they're just turning it around and saying, anytime you run into a site that's using HTTP, we're going to make it look bad. We're going to say, hey, this is not a secure site. So I think that's I that the right was strategy, kind of interesting. Though. Yeah, it's HTTP shaming. Yes, but it, it is. is. But it yeah. is. But now this is uh, you know give it three years and this is going to fall over to other industries. In that, when I go to the cash register at the checkout, I'm going to not see the lock logo on the pin yeah. pad anymore, and I'm going to assume it's secure because it doesn't have the pin, the lock logo with the X through it. Mm-hmm. This sets well, a bad keep precedent. In, keep in mind, I mean, what are the other browsers going to do here? Are they going to change their model to match this? Or are they going to keep the lock? So, what are the users looking looking for as they go from the device to device or app to app? Mm. So, it, it, yeah, it it's kind of. Makes it's sense weird. from the idea of we'll just turn it around and shame, but at the same time, 
we're going to confuse the heck out of people because in this case, <laughs> we look for this. And in this case, we look for that. Don't use other browsers. That's that's. The <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a choice but to use Safari on my iPhone. Well, but that's. I mean, that may be Google just being saying, "Look, nobody would use another browser. Who would use something besides Chrome?" <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's back to the hammer thing. You know, right, it's, it's, right. It's like modern engineering. Who would use something besides Chrome? It can't, can't be possible. <laughs> I mean, I'm not far behind that, but. Did you guys see the story? Uh, Bruce and I posted it about. Uh, Researchers yes. in China and the U.S. have begun demonstrating they can send hidden commands that are undetectable to the human ear to Apple Siri. Al Don't say it. The, the Amazon's thing Echo. and the, the Google thing. <laughs> um, they've been able to secretly activate the artificial intelligence symptoms on smartphones and speakers by using inaudible commands. Yeah. Well, think oh, that's about pretty it. cool. That's true. Yeah. Think about this. Go on a practical real-world example of that. Oh, I'm really scared uh -oh. right now. <laughs> the, the, no, First, the, you got a barrel of lube. No, <laughs> then you've I, got some sand. I will give <laughs> you. I will give you a practical, real-world example. If you watch the news today, I don't watch the news ever. Yanni, so. Yanni or Laurel? Oh, Yanni, what? Who? No, yeah. no, yeah. no. Seriously, no. I know you're right. Seriously, who is what? So there's an audio clip out there that fucking made today the Today Show and the National News this morning. Who's Yanni? If you listen to, wait. Depending on who you are, you hear the word Yanni, or you hear the word Laurel. I just hear the word stab. I do too, but but I think it's the voices in your head. But it's Doug. all it's all about how you perceive that audio. It's like the the red the sorry the blue versus the yellow dress thing. Jesus. But, but but no seriously, this is an audio thing that we talk about here. You listen to Yanni versus Laurel. And I hear Yanni because my auditory is tuned to the, the higher pitches. But if you remove those higher pitches and you leave all of the bass, it says Laurel. And my son and I were messing with that last night. Neither one of us could hear Yanni. It was is all it, Laurel. I mean, drop, drop, it, drop the bass and leave the treble. But is it all yeah. about the bass? In, in it's all about that bass. <laughs> treble? It's all about that bass. No treble. <laughs> No, seriously. You, I hate you, that. It's all about that the bass. It's all about your laurels. Yeah. You, you drop the bass and leave the Let the record show. Yanni. Paul is twerking now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, And at Thanksgiving, it's all about that bass. That's oh, right. Oh, God. <laughs> and barbecue. It's all about that bass. I thought you were making a Thanksgiving joke in, in my light which <laughs> well it's I not mean, allowed Larry we don't talk about the Thanksgiving incident <laughs> I mean, on the shit, air I mean shit if you based after that sh more, <laughs> the power to you, more the power to you man you know before after during it's all you should base repeatedly when you're making your turkey right, just, no sand. Sand. just no <laughs> I think that rounds out the show Thank you, everyone. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> for listening and watching Paul Security Weekly. All of Matt, our careers you, are over, <laughs> especially along with all of our hosts. Matt, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and sharing your experiences. I thought it was great that you encouraged. Uh, I really got you in, are encouraging students at universities to create their own cybersecurity clubs, which I thought was awesome. So. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Hopefully you still want to work in this industry after appearing on <laughs> an episode of Paul Security Weekly. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you let us know. Larry, take us out. Over and Yanni. <laughs> Laurel. 